MRN's Classic Races are brought to you by Hercules Tires. MRN Radio presents the NASCAR Winston Cup Series. Today, the Auto Works 500. Sponsored by Bush Beer. Don't just reach for a beer. Head for the mountains and the smooth taste of Bush Beer. By Pontiac. For driving excitement with your name on it. Pontiac. We build excitement. By True Value. For quality, selection, and personal attention. Make True Value your first choice. By Unical. The winning spirit rides with you every time. It's the spirit of 76. By Peak Antifreeze. Only Peak gives you peak performance. By Gatorade. Gatorade gives your body what it's thirsty for. By First Brands, makers of STP oil treatment. By Van Camp's Beanie Weenies. Grown-up nutrition, kid-sized fun. By Armor Star Canned Meats, America's choice for the great outdoors. By Right Guard Sports Sticks, anything less would be uncivilized. And by Baby Ruth, the official candy bar of NASCAR's legendary Junior Johnson. We're back at Phoenix International Raceway, and they're just about 15 or 20 seconds away from putting them under green. It is a beautiful afternoon, and there is not a seat to be had here in the grandstands, in the portable grandstands, even the mountain that surrounds this racetrack, totally full of race fans. The pace car with Elmo Langley at the wheel now beginning to come off turn number four of this one-mile track. In the corners today, you'll be hearing from Joel Moore of WPEX Radio in Hampton, Virginia, and Rick Benjamin of Davenport, Iowa. But now for the start of the AutoWorks 500, Barney Hall. We are under green as they come down to the line and head for turn number one. Door-to-door, Terry Labonte right now with Kenny Schrader as they hit the number one corner. Schrader gets out front. Schrader gets the lead going into turn number one. Alan Kowicki digs at the inside of Terry Labonte. That battle for the second spot now on the back straight. Away. Kenny Schrader is your leader. Labonte second to the inside into three. It's Kowicki trying to move by. Sitting fourth is Derek Cope. Mark Martin to fifth. Bobby Hamilton and Dale Earnhardt leading Jeff Bodine. Hamilton's car drifts a bit wide in the sixth position coming under the Goodyear Bridge out of turn four. It opens the inside for Dale Earnhardt. The front five pull away, but the battles are two by two by two from seventh on back. Earnhardt finally breaks away from Bobby Hamilton. He picks up that sixth position. Hamilton drifts high again. Jeff Bodine tries to move up on him, but Bodine is forced to fall back in single file. Rusty Wallace and Dick Trickle are door-to-door battling for tenth. Meantime, Kenny Schrader has a car length on Terry Labonte. Kowicki third over Cope, Martin, Earnhardt, and Bobby Hamilton. Field beginning to string out single file in a hurry as they feel out this racing surface here this afternoon. The temperature was scheduled to go up into the low 80s. Back to the line. It is Schrader by just a foot as they work back into turn number one. Single file now through the top 15. Good battle for the ninth position as they come into turn number one. Rusty Wallace trying to move up on Dick Trickle. Those two battling side by side. Off the corner, though, give the edge to Rusty Wallace. Jeff Bodine now trying to put a move on the Bobby Hamilton machine as they race down the backstretch toward three. Still Schrader over Labonte. Kulwicki is third. Now Mark Martin coming inside of Cope, racing for four. It's Trickle's car that kicks way out wide, coming beneath that crossover bridge. That allows the inside to open up for Ricky Rudd. So Trickle having trouble keeping the car down low in the corners, but he gets back in line here on the main street. 
three. Trickle gets it straightened out, but right in front of him, there are three wide going into the corner. Bobby Hamilton again goes way high. Rusty Wallace grabs a piece down low, but Jeff Bodine advances. He picks up the eighth position. Bodine on the move now. He puts some distance on Rusty Wallace and Bobby Hamilton. Still Schrader, Labonte, and Kulwicki. Mark Martin has moved to fourth. Cope is fifth. That had been one of the best races on the speedway. Mark Martin, Derek Cope, and Dale Earnhardt locked up there for fifth place as they worked out of the corner. Now it is Earnhardt trying to get underneath Derek Cope down in turn number one. That's a battle for the fifth position. They're side by side entering turn number one. Way up the banking goes Derek Cope. Earnhardt gets a good bite off turn number two. He gets the spot, but here comes Cope again on the outside. Derek Cope and Dale Earnhardt through the dog leg, door to door. Down to the inside comes Alan Kulwicki challenging Labonte for second. Kulwicki down low on the rail has second spot away from Labonte. So as Kulwicki covers the inside, we're also watching Jimmy Spencer, whose Crisco machine has now begun venting some smoke from the left rear. It's tough to tell from our vantage point whether he might have some sheet metal damage to the left rear of the automobile. Our fellows on pit road checking on that story. Meanwhile, the battle shaping on the racetrack is for third as Mark Martin moves inside of Labonte. Mark Martin trying to work on Labonte. Now Labonte's car slipping up high. Martin pokes the nose of the Stroh's car inside, and he gets third. Martin is in third spot over Labonte and Earnhardt. Every team in the garage had predicted that Mark Martin would be even tougher than they have been all season now that he's got that first win under his belt. He seems to be living up to that expectation in the early going. He is up to third as they work back to turn number one, but the battle's for the lead. Up front, the outside is Alan Kowicki. He peeks on the high side of Kenny Schrader. Almost pulls even coming off turn number two, but quickly on the backstretch has to get back into single file. Schrader on top of Kowicki. Mark Martin to third now. Labonte over Earnhardt. Sixth is Cope. Jeff Bodine to seventh. Rusty Wallace is eighth. Bobby Hamilton sits ninth. We are working the seventh lap of the AutoWorks 500. The 500 refers to kilometers. This is a 312-mile, 312-lap race, and the battle for the lead is hot in turn one. Kowicki gets it down on the inside of the racetrack. He pulls even with Kenny Schrader. They're side-by-side through turn two. Mark Martin also in the battle. He'll try to go down low underneath Kowicki. He thinks better and falls back in line. The battle's still for the lead going to turn three. Kowicki has the inside, and he's going to claim the lead from Kenny Schrader as they hit turn three. Mark Martin goes to the inside. He'll follow Kowicki and take second spot. A couple of forwards really got it hooked up in the early going in the Auto Works 500. Kowicki is now the leader. Mark Martin is just about to move around Kenny Schrader to move into the number two spot, but that battle will be a, still be a good one for second place over in the middle of turn one and two. Schrader's trying to hang on, but with a low degree of banking here in turns one and two, it's hard to keep it running there on the outside. He now has to fall back in line behind Mark Martin and pick up the third spot. Much like a short track race, this is such a flat speedway. Kowicki now opens up two car Lengths on Martin in turn three. Schrader now Earnhardt very strong in fourth. Labonte to the outside with Cope racing for fifth. Jeff Bodine also tried to battle there to the inside of those two cars for fifth spot, but got squeezed to the inside. We told you we had seen some telltale smoke from the left rear of Jimmy Spencer's car. Jim Phillips is in that pit area. Jimmy Spencer has taken a good lick from the rear and it's kicked his quarter pedal up near the tire. When he goes in the turns, it rubs. They're hoping that it will continue and the tire will push the fender out a little bit and they won't have to pit. But they do have left side tires up on the wall just in case NASCAR makes them pit. So we'll keep an eye on Jimmy Spencer's car. Meanwhile, Dale Earnhardt continues to try and work his way back up to the front of the pack. But one of the cars that is really coming up through the field is Darrell Waltrip. He has advanced from 17th position, should be running about 11th or 12th over in front of Joe Moore. He's moved up to the 10th spot, Barney. He's trying to pick up even another position now on Ricky Rudd. Rudd sees him coming. He's forced to the outside. He goes by Rusty Wallace, and Waltrip takes an outside line as well. Got six cars, really, in a good battle for fifth on back. Derek Cope right now in fifth over Jeff Bodine. 
Bonnie and Rudd door to door. Wallace and Waltrip side by side for ninth and tenth. That is your top ten. Eleventh place is Dick Trickle right now. Twelfth is Bobby Hamilton. Thirteenth is side by side. Sterling Marlin on the inside of Davey Allison. A good battle with Larry Pearson watching in fourteenth. Sterling Marlin will advance, taking the inside line to get by Davey Allison. Allison drops back in behind him, then Larry Pearson next in line. Then comes Bill Elliott and Michael Waltrip. Those two battling for position. Darrell Waltrip to the outside as they hit turn three again. He puts Terry Labonte back another spot. Your leaders, Kowicki and Martin. Eight car lengths back to Schrader. They're about to complete 12 laps of competition when they cross the line with Alan Kulwicki leading. We'll take a break and we'll be back. If you like sedans big, fast, and powerful, then Pontiac's got a four-door street machine with your name on it. Bonneville SSE. Lower body skirts surround the exterior while a fuel-injected 3.8-liter 3,800 V6 engine rides under the hood. Inside, SSE is a driving environment you'll have to experience for yourself. In fact, SSE's just the kind of touring sedan you'd expect from a car company that spends most of its weekends at the track. Bonneville SSE from Pontiac. We build excitement. Hi, this is Pat Summerall for True Value Hardware, your store of first choice. What you get out of a do-it-yourself project has a lot to do with what you put into your workshop. So make sure it's stocked with Master Mechanic Power Tools. They feature a complete selection, and all Master Mechanic Power Tools are warranted against defects in workmanship and materials for one year, excluding normal wear or misuse. You'll find them exclusively at participating True Value Hardware stores and home centers. And tell them Pat Summerall sent you. 14 laps are now completed. The 312 that will make up the Auto Works 500. Alan Kulwicki still leads here this afternoon. Mark Martin is second, and Kenny Schrader is third. And all of a sudden, Terry Labonte's car has been drifting back through the field. Is there a problem there, Jim Phillips? Well, one thing, they don't have the radios working properly. He can hear Tim Brewer and the crew, but he can't converse with them. So that's a handicap to start for Terry Labonte. He has already fallen back to about 10th position, so there is a problem. His car is not getting around this racetrack very well. From the Phoenix International Raceway, this is MRN Radio. Here at Phoenix International Raceway, we've got two stories developing, one involving Butch Miller, who has just pulled off the track middle of the back straightaway. A problem was there in front of you, Joe Moore. Looked like uh, one side of the car went down as he came into turn number one, Eli. He dropped quickly down to the inside of the racetrack. The car lost power as he hit the back straightaway, and he didn't make that hard left turn there on the back stretch. The other story developing behind Pit Road is the bright lime green and... Uh, what other caller would you want to call that thing, Barn? Uh. <laughs> it is an unusually bright green car that Greg Sachs is driving here today, sponsored by City Chevrolet. That is a car that is part of a motion picture that is being filmed, Paramount Pictures, doing that movie that folks have heard about with Tom Cruise. And uh, although Greg Sachs came in early, they were talking about having to change film in a movie camera, although this is an early stop nevertheless. Well, they'll be making quite a few stops on that car off and on today. There's uh, they have no intention of trying to get a top 10 finish or anything. The car is strictly out there to finish as well as it can and get the footage they need for the movie. We may have a chance to talk about that a little bit more later this afternoon. Right now, there are 19 laps complete here in the Auto Works 500 at Phoenix International Raceway. This is the second time the Winston Cup cars have been here for a scheduled event. Alan Kulwicki leads Mark Martin right now by a full second. It's about three seconds back to Kenny Schrader, who rides third, but the battle's the fourth over in turn three. Outstanding battle. Ricky Rudd and Dale Earnhardt have been going at it for several laps. Rudd to the inside of Earnhardt now claims fourth spot ahead of Dale and Derek Cope. Derek Cope nearly snuck into the inside there and grabbed a spot from Earnhardt, but Dale covered the spot well. It's unfortunate having to see Butch Miller go by the wayside this early. He told me the other day that Winston Cup racing is definitely a full-time goal for him. Absolutely. It's what we've been trying to do for the last five or six years. 
you know, and and uh, I feel so bad because maybe if I could have went 5,000 quicker, it could have been a career for him. So that's the story from Butch Miller on his plans for the future. We'll get an update from the garage area momentarily as the leaders work off to turn number one on lap 22. Front two cars way out in front of that good battle for the third and fourth position. Ricky Rudd is the one who's really turned up the heat. He's bypassed Dale Earnhardt. Now is going to work on Kenny Schrader. Schrader tries to pull his car down low to battle with Ricky Rudd. But Rudd's got the advantage as they go to turn three. Rudd to the inside as they hit the dog leg. Schrader comes back strong on the outside. You'll remember Rudd had a great chance to win here last year. Had problems late. They're side by side into three. Rudd down low. Schrader high. That's where the best racing on the track is going on right now. Between Ricky Rudd and Schrader, they'll come off the corner door to door right behind them are Dale Earnhardt and Derek Cope's car they'll be in a battle here momentarily but Ricky Rudd hangs to the inside there in turn two again there's a battle for the third position Ricky Rudd goes into turn number one he's got the inside line and he squeezes around to pick up the position over Ken Schrader on the backstretch Schrader with all the experience here at Phoenix and all types of cars unable to hold Rudd off Rudd really on the move in the Quaker State car takes third Schrader fourth Earnhardt is fifth Cope and Bodine are next at 7th and 8th spot with Rusty Wallace going 9th. 10th is Sterling Marlin. Darrell Waltrip is 11th. 12th is Harry Lobani. 13th, Dick Trickle. Mike Waltrip, 14th. Richard Petty, 15th. 16th is Davey Allison. 17th, Bobby Hamilton, followed by 18th place, Bill Elliott, as the field works predominantly single file until Jeff Bodine decides to do battle with Rusty Wallace midway down the back straightaway at 7th spot. Jeff Bodine to the outside. Wallace on the inside. Wallace gains a little ground coming into 3. Wallace, the groove here is a little bit up the track. Wallace by a fender over Bodine out of four. You have to really be careful coming through these corners. They're very long. It seems like it takes forever to get through these turns. They are so long and so much distance in them at this one-mile facility, and they're flat. If you extend that car a little more than you need to in that lower groove, you can turn it around and back it into the wall in a hurry. The interval now between the leader, which is Alan Kowicki, and that battle going on back there for third place is a full six seconds. So the two forwards of Alan Kowicki and Mark Martin have just almost driven halfway, at least a straightaway away, from the rest of the field. Let's check in the garage. All right, we're down here with Butch Miller. He's got some of the folks from the Budweiser team with Terry Levani here, but let's find out what happened to you first. Well, you know, uh, we're, we're very happy today because we, we had a brand-new sponsor, Food Lion and Dinner Bell, you know, to help our Chevrolet Lumina. And... Uh, you know, the motor didn't run quite top right from lap one. You know, it wouldn't go down to straightaways very well. And uh, just uh, all the last lap, all of a sudden, the red light came on, and uh, it started to slow down, even though I had my foot flat on the floor. You know, I guess it was time to shut it off. Well, some of the guys from Terry Labonte's crew just stole your helmet. Where are they going? <laughs> I don't know, but at least maybe some of me might go fast. Well, I think we might have an idea of what might be wrong with Terry Labonte's. They were looking at the radio parts, so we'll have to check on that part down in the pit area. Back upstairs. A lot of those two-way radios, most all of them that the drivers wear, have permanent wire installations that run up the back of the helmet, and you have the appropriate uh, plug on the end, looking very much like a plug you'd use on your stereo at home, which hooks into yet another uh, application attached to the car. Jim Phillips, it looks like they're doing that wiring right now to that replacement helmet. We're looking at Butch Miller's helmet to see if it will work with Terry Labonte's wiring harness. It will not work. So the thought was good, but it won't work. They were going to switch helmets, take Terry's off, and put Butch Miller's on, but their harness and the helmet will not hook up. You'd just be surprised how much difference it makes not to have two-way radio communications with your team, especially once you get used to them like they have for the last seven or eight years. 
just about everything they do on that race car. The pit stops, what they're going to change, what's going on in the racetrack is all communicated to the driver, leaving him free to just do the job of driving that race car. And when you lose it, it makes a big, big difference. Alan Kulwicki continues to set the pace. He's already beginning to lap the tail end of the field, and he is just in the early going. 27 laps are on the board to give you an idea how quick he's getting around here, Eli Gold. They probably practiced as much this week as any team here. It seemed like almost every time the track was open, Alan Kowicki's team was out there either changing something on the car, putting in a practice lap to get it dialed in to handle, and that's what he said. He was trying to get it to work. And it really showed because Rick Benjamin, a moment or so ago, Kowicki went three wide around Jimmy Means and the Bill Sedgwick car, and on a nine degree banked turn where you're standing in three and four that's almost unheard of he's able to put the car high or low Eli we've watched him for several laps around at this end of the speedway Kowicki running a nice uh, moderately low groove through here he's one of the few drivers able to keep the car tight coming out of four which is where the fast lane seems to be right now we can see Kowicki's hands they're not working hard at the wheel at all the car seems to be handling very well and Ricky Rudd has lost a full straightaway to the leader now Rudd was right up there battling with him a moment ago and but the two Fords have it all hooked up this afternoon. Obviously, right now, they've got the key to getting around this racetrack. Now, whether they can keep it all day or not is anybody's guess. They're back in turn three. It is Kowicki opening up about a 12-car length lead. Martin trying to cut into that lead. He's got two lap cars in front of him. Long way back, almost an eighth of the racetrack to Ricky Rudd, who's third. Kenny Schrader holding off Dale Earnhardt there, racing for fourth. Good battle for six between Rusty Wallace and Derek Cope. That's seventh spot. Eighth is Sterling Marlin. Ninth, Jeff Bodine. Tenth is Darrell Waltrip. Eleventh now is Dick Trickle. Twelfth, Michael Waltrip. Thirteenth, Richard Petty. Labonte is fourteenth. Davey Allison, fifteenth. Bobby Hamilton, sixteenth. Seventeenth, Larry Pearson. Eighteenth, Harry Gant. Nineteenth spot, Bill Elliott. And twentieth is Morgan Shepard. We are currently 31 laps complete of 312. Are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top 9 miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. Well, he's run here before, and he's run successfully over the years, but today Richard Petty's STP Pontiac will not be around to see the 35th lap because here on lap 34, the car has shut off. He has coasted it around to the garage area, and we'll get an update from Ralph Shaheen there in just a moment or so. Meanwhile, Alan Kowicki, Barney, is just wearing everybody out right now as he is, uh, we were just laughing during the commercial break. He could lap the field before much longer. He's getting around that well. Tell you what, he's going to start lapping some really good cars here very shortly because we're only 30 six laps into this event and Kowicki is already at least a half a straightaway or full straightaway or better on the tail end of the field and threatening to catch some of the, the good running cars right now and put them a lap down. He's moving up on Bill Smith here in just a moment. Let's pause 10 seconds on MRN radio for station identification. Richard Petty is out of it this afternoon. We'll get his thoughts here in just a moment. The word we get now from NASCAR is that he is out for the day. So a tough break for Richard Petty with only one race remaining in 1989. 37 laps are complete. The leader is Alan Kowicki as he just eases that Ford Thunderbird around here, having no problem right now. And the way he is catching cars and passing them in the turns, in the straightaway, wherever, you can tell that team has done their homework and got it all hooked up. Here he comes back down to the start-finish line, works on around this racetrack. Meanwhile, as he crosses the stripe, 
He has now put almost a half a straightaway on Mark Martin, and that's the only car that can stay really within sight of him. 2.29 seconds is the separation from himself back to second place. He's out of turn two. Here comes Kulwicki down the back straightaway. He's working very, very nicely in the Xerox Ford. He's coming up on the car of Bill Schmidt as they hit turn three. Mark Martin with some open racetrack now between he and Kulwicki. We'll get a look at whether Martin can gain some ground here on Kulwicki. Midway down the back straightaway. One car reeling on the move. Now is Sterling Marlin as his Sunoco Olds has moved to the inside of both Derek Cope and Dale Earnhardt, moving Sterling Marlin up into fifth position. So give Marlin fifth in that gutsy move going down into turn three. Earnhardt sixth. Seventh now Derek Cope and eighth is Jeff Bodine. Now you got to give Derek Cope some credit. And I asked him point blank the other day. I said, you've had some really good runs this year and you've had some runs that really haven't been that good. Why the lack of consistency? You've shown you can run fourth, fifth, sixth uh, with the best of them. Why not each and every week, Derek? Well, you know, we, I feel like in certain places we have run the top ten, you know, and been strong and been a factor there. But, you know, when you don't have a motor, you know, to, to stay up there, you can't do it consistently. And, uh, you know, I've done it. We've done it there. and We've, we've ran fast. But I've made the moves that I've made in Michigan on other racetracks. And I've never been able to go by them and get back in line. And I was able to do that there. You know, we're going to work hard on our motor program right now. You know, we feel like the, the rest of the program has started to come around. And I'm just starting to get to a point where I've got enough laps. You know, I've never I've never run a 30-race schedule yet. So I'm just starting to get to a point now where my, my conference level's up. And Buddy Perry is, is you know, is a, a reason why. And the rest of the crew. And I'll tell you, he has as many laps on this track in a Winston Cup car as does anybody, and he's showing he can adjust well. And he tested a couple of times here, and everybody said that of all the cars that came out here and tire tested and everything else, he was one of the quicker ones. And the other day, I think Mark Martin said he ran was one of the only drivers that tested here that ran in the 28-second lap. Meanwhile, Roy Smith has pulled his car off the racetrack and has now gone across the speedway out of turn number two and apparently will be heading for the garage. Roy Smith, one of the top drivers here on the Winston West Circuit. And we'll see if we can get a word with him. Right now, let's check in with Ralph Shaheen. Well, we're standing down here with Richard Petty. And Richard, what's wrong with the car? Well... It started tightening up, and then Dale said it was smoking out the exhaust pipe, but I went up the back stretch, and then it started tightening up. So uh, I guess something on the top end. I don't know what happened. The racetrack itself seems to be pretty good, though, today. Well, we was, I thought we was running pretty good. We started back there in the back, and we done caught up, you know, probably the last eight or ten people. So we was trucking along pretty good, I thought, but uh, we didn't get to stay out there to see what we could do. Well, unfortunately, another bad afternoon for the King, but he's got a smile on his face and a lot of interviews to do. We're going to go see if we can find uh, Roy Smith for you. Try to get a word with Roy Smith in a moment. The best battle on the racetracks going on now between Harry Gant, Darrell Waltrip, and Rusty Wallace over in turn two. That's a battle for the 11th position, Bonnie, as they come into turn number two. Gant has the inside line. Now, he's sandwiched in between Rusty Wallace, who has the 10th position directly ahead of him, and now Darrell Waltrip falls in behind Gant as they go back to three. Waltrip was on the move forward. Now he seems to be uh, stuck where he is behind Harry Gant as they're in turn three. Wallace, Gant, and Waltrip ahead of Terry Labonte. Meanwhile, with the exception of Alan Kowicki, the quickest car on the racetrack is still Sterling Marlin. We told you he had blown by a couple of cars before. He's now gotten by Kenny Schrader and has left him by one and a quarter seconds. So right now, uh, Joe Moore, there's nobody getting around this racetrack, particularly at your end of the track in one and two, as well as our Kowicki and Sterling Marlin. Both those cars are really keeping up the RPMs going into the corner. They're taking an interesting line going in kind of low, then coming out a little bit wider than some of the cars are. The cars that get on the outside 
inside lane here have a tendency to, to lose some steam here going into the corner. They have to get out of the throttle, so it really takes a, a perfect line to go in. We saw a near accident here going into turn number one about a lap ago. Dick Trickle and Joe Rutman were side by side. They exchanged a bit of sheet metal. Trickle's car almost got sideways, but Rutman got out of the throttle, gave him a chance to straighten it out, and both those cars seem to be in pretty good shape now. Here at the Phoenix International Raceway, the Auto Works 500. The lap count is 47 of 312. Harold Kinder looking the field over as they come past the start-finish line. And still, everyone chasing Alan Kulwicki. In second spot is Mark Martin. Third, Ricky Rudd. Sterling Marlin is fourth. And Derek Cope's car running up in the fifth position. He's had an awfully good run. Now there's caution on the speedway. There is caution on the speedway. And the NASCAR officials have been watching a dog that has come across the mountain that runs behind the back straightaway, and the animal has just jumped over the wall and ran onto the racetrack. So the caution has been put on the speedway as soon as the NASCAR officials saw that animal encroaching on the raceway property, and consequently we are under caution here. A dog on the track, lap number 48. We'll have pit stops coming up in a moment. We'll be right back. Citywide to countryside, whatever you drive, wherever you go, Hercules has the value, selection, and industry-leading warranty to get you there no matter where the road takes you. Go to HerculesTires.com. There you can find the nearest authorized Hercules retail location to you. Plus, you can use the tire tracker to find out which Hercules tire fits your vehicle the best. That's HerculesTires.com. Hercules Tires, ride on our strength. Back at Phoenix International Raceway, the pits are a busy place. Dick Brooks. I'll tell you one thing. It's, uh, this Mark Martin team is pumped. They got in and out and was gone before uh, anybody else come by. The next car come by was Alan Quick, which pit way down on the other end. But they dropped that car, all fresh tires and, uh, and a can of gas in about 23 seconds or 22 seconds. So they were they were really going. Uh, Kenny Schrader's uh, team got him down and out, but he just uh, they didn't they didn't even come close to that. Uh, uh, Jeff Bodine was in. They, they, pitted four, they put four on his and, uh, and fueled him up, sent him on. Kyle Petty, Rick Wilson, uh, about everybody down at this end. In fact, I think everybody will pit and, uh, and change four tires as time goes on. Uh, Jim Phillips down the other end. It was the same on this end. Your leader, Alan Kowicki, came in, took on four tires along with Dale Earnhardt. Terry Labonte, they're still uh, looking for helmets to try to find a hookup for Terry Labonte. They've not found one yet, so he is still without radio communications with his pit area. That he can hear them, but he can't communicate to them. Also, Dick Trickle took on four tires, Morgan Shepard, Mike Waltrip, and Brett Bodine, along with the Winston West champion Bill Schmidt. He took on four tires and gasoline also. Barney, I had asked you what I think is a valid question that I'm sure some of the folks at home are wondering, too. Why doesn't a team that's a multi-million dollar operation have a backup helmet? But there's a very logical reason why not. Well, most of that equipment has really been high-tech in the last few years. They've got it developed. They very seldom have any kind of problem with that anymore, so they've just done away with it. I, I guess some, some of the teams probably do have a secondary radio or a helmet there, but the majority of them, I'm sure, do not. We're under caution here at Phoenix. 50 laps are complete right now. We'll set the running order for you in a moment. From Phoenix International Raceway, this is MRN Radio. We are about set to go back to green on lap number 51 here at Phoenix International Raceway. Mark Martin ahead of Alan Kulwicki, Ricky Ruddish third, Jeff Bodine fourth, Sterling Marlin fifth, sixth is Dale Earnhardt, then Kenny Schrader, Michael Waltrip, Rusty Wallace, and Harry Gant. That is the top ten. Elmo Langley takes the safety car down pit lane, and we're going back to green. 
here at the stripe. Green flag from Arrow Kinder, and very quickly Mark Martin pulls away, but Kowicki stays right with him on his tail to one. Both Fords go to battle here in turn one. Kowicki pulls up on the outside of Mark Martin, shoots right on by him, really picks up some steam on the back straightaway. Kowicki has four car links on Mark Martin. Kowicki showing how dominant he's been here all afternoon. Five cars ahead into turn three. Ricky Rudd and Jeff Bodine are door-to-door for third. Sterling Marlin is fifth, followed by Dale Earnhardt. The scramble is back from about fifth position on as they work out of turn number four and back down to the line. Meanwhile, Kowicki shows he not only has the handling capability on the car, but he's got the motor in the car this afternoon to get the job done also. They take it back to turn two. Kowicki's got about four car lengths on Mark Martin. Martin has some three car lengths on the third place machine of Ricky Rudd. Then comes Jeff Bodine, then Dick Trickle. The automobile of Sterling Marlin also on the move. He's in that front group of cars. Kowicki three cars ahead now of Martin. Jeff Bodine trying to work inside a run and challenge for third, but he can't do it. In the middle of the field, Darrell Waltrip and Terry Labonte really getting off the corners well, and they're picking up spots on the straightaway, working their way back to the front after the pit stops of moments ago. The leaders are back in two. Back in about the 13th position, Rusty Wallace and Hunt Strickland work side by side, and they're stacked up double wide right behind them. Michael Waltrip tries to squeeze in to pick up his position, but quickly has to get off the throttle. Harry Gant also there looking for a chance to move up. Rusty Wallace establishes his strength over Hunt Strickland. No change among the top four. Sterling Marlin working hard to hold Dale Earnhardt back. Kenny Schrader on the move. He is sixth. Hey, Sterling Marlin's having a good run here this afternoon. He's another one of the drivers we talked to that really liked Phoenix International Raceway. He said, I like the flat tracks. I seem to do better. And it's holding up for him so far this afternoon. Kowicki is the leader. He's working off turn number two. Mark Martin's about four car lengths behind. Rudd is back up in the thick of things again in third. And fourth right now is Jeff Bodine. They're up in turn three. And they're single file working down the back straightaway. Sterling Martin unable to gain any ground on Jeff Bodine and challenge him for fourth. Earnhardt is sixth. Then Schrader, Phil Parsons, Bobby Hillen Jr., and Rusty Wallace. I'll tell you, talk about ingenuity in this sport, Barney. You see what Junior Johnson has finally decided to do to help out Terry Labonte in communications? Now we're looking up on the, one of the mountains here that's in the backdrop of the backstretch of this racetrack, and that's where the Indian Reservation is, and there indeed is some smoke signals going up over there. I don't know whether this Junior's hired them to keep in contact with his driver or what, <laughs> but it's certainly going on here this afternoon. Still a good battle up front for the lead. Kowicki has an advantage of three car lengths a little bit earlier before this first caution came out. If you just joined our broadcast, we've had only one. It was for the fact that a dog came across the outside of the racetrack and onto the speedway, and NASCAR officials put out the caution flag, but since they put them back under green, he hasn't been able to get away from anyone all that much, Joe Moore. He's really holding his spot here about four or five car lengths ahead of a good battle for the second spot now. Ricky Rudd has turned up the wick a little bit. He's trying to overtake Mark Martin as they go back to turn three. Rudd's been working much lower on the racetrack up in three and into four than has Martin. Martin again slips up a little high. Rudd right up behind him as they battle it for second spot. Rick Wilson slowing on the back straightaway. The Kodak Film Oldsmobile now creeping towards turn number three as the field works back down the main straightaway to turn number one. We've just checked with our interpreter, Barney. Those smoke signals actually mean uh, hello mom send money it could be yeah. let's check in with ralph shaheen and see if he's caught up with roy smith well we did barney we caught the four-time winston west champion roy smith in the garage area roy that's not where a four-time champion should be what went wrong well uh you know we come down here with a car that uh we had a good fresh engine in it you know and we hurt that uh, first day of practice and uh all we had for a backup was a motor that's already ran uh two full races and uh had a lot of practice laps on it. It was just too much for it. I guess it couldn't handle it. Well, for Roy Smith, it'll be a long winter before they get started up again here on the West Coast. Let's go back I think, upstairs. I think, Barney, I think uh, Rick Wilson's car's probably out of it. I walked down through the pits, 
And as I was going one way, whether we're running the other way, I said, what happened? They said it blowed up. So I guess that was the end of that. Yeah, they have taken the car back to the garage. We'll get a word with Rick Wilson in just a moment. It'll be a short day for the Kodak Film Oldsmobile team. Good battle on the racetrack, just as Dick Brooks was talking there between Ricky Rudd and Mark Martin. And Rudd, all of a sudden, has grabbed second place as they work back to turns one and two. Rudd is handling almost as good as his Alan Kowicki. I think he may be a little bit lower than Kowicki on the horsepower end of things, but he's certainly moving up to the field. He has bypassed Mark Martin and has already picked up about four car lengths on Martin as he tries to chase down the race leader. And we'll see if Rudd can do anything with Kowicki. These are the two drivers who figured in the battle for victory here a year ago. Rudd now about eight car lengths behind Kowicki out of turn four. That translates to 1.02 seconds on this one-mile layout. We are at the Phoenix International Raceway. If you're just joining us, you're tuned to MRN Radio with our live coverage of the Auto Works 500, the next to the last race on the NASCAR Winston Cup Tour. There's no racing next weekend, but two weeks from today, we'll be at the Atlanta International Raceway for the Atlanta Journal 500, and not only will the Winston Cup Championship apparently go down to that final race, but so too will the battles for positions 5, 6, 7 on back through 10 and further down the line. The points are that close. Here comes Kulwicki again to the stripe. The clocks are going one more time. It is 1 and 2 tenths seconds, so Joe, he's stretching it a bit now on Ricky Rudd. Picking it up even more, but Ricky Rudd is also stretching it out in front of the Mark Martin car. He's stretched that out by about five car lengths. Martin has the third spot, fourth to Jeff Bodine, fifth to Sterling Marlin, in sixth now the Dale Earnhardt car, seventh is Kenny Schrader, in eighth now the Rusty Wallace machine, ninth will be Harry Gannon, tenth is Michael Waltrip. And that's been one of the best battles on the racetrack. Waltrip was able to hold Gannon off for several laps. Now Gannon has claimed ninth. Good battle back for 11th. Bobby Hillen and Phil Parsons have been going at each other for ten laps or so. They come out of the corner, Parsons down to the inside, Hillen onto the outside, but for the moment they'll tuck in single file. We're seeing an awful lot of single file racing in the early going here this afternoon. This is one of those kind of flat tracks that we talk about. There's not all that much banking, as Eli pointed out when we first came on the air, in either end of the speedway. So it takes a while, a lot longer here on a flat track than it would, say, at a bank speedway to work that second groove in and get the rubber up there. But very shortly, before we come up on 100 laps, I think we'll see quite a bit of door-to-door racing coming off the corners and going into the turn. Alan Kowicki has been the dominant car since they put him under green this afternoon. Only one caution flag if you just joined our broadcast. And it was not for an accident. It was due to a dog that got across the racetrack and onto the speedway. Ricky Rudd now rides second, some 15 car lengths behind Kowicki. It's about an equal distance back to Mark Martin, who rides third. Jeff Bodine is fourth. Fifth is Sterling Marlin. He's having an outstanding run in sixth position right now. That will be Dale Earnhardt. And we're watching Rusty Wallace. And Wallace, indeed, is not having the aggressive style that we've seen. He's giving himself plenty of room on the racetrack this afternoon. That's not to say that he's stroking or anything else. Maybe he's running the type of race he wants, but it's not the usual type of Rusty Wallace racing. I think we might see some more of that here in Atlanta because there's an awful lot at stake. The million-dollar Winston Cup championship, you're not going to see him throw it away. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. 70 laps are on the board here at the Phoenix International Raceway. The second ever visit for NASCAR's Winston Cup Tour to this facility in the Valley of the Sun. The Auto Works 500 currently led by Alan Kulwicki over Ricky Rudd, Mark Martin, Jeff Bodine, and Sterling Marlin. One man who will watch the finish of this event from atop his car hauler in the garage is Rick Wilson. He's just retired his machine, and Ralph Shaheen is with him. Well, Rick, you had started the race 15th. You moved up to about 10th, and then something let go with the Kodiak machine. Went wrong, went wrong with the well, way, way it looks right now, it broke a crankshaft. You know, it's one of them deals. It started vibrating and broke. We had a great pit stop, got us up, and the car was working good. And, you know, we were just going to ride along and do the best we could today. You know, Kodak BMO's still doing good, but broke a motor. And, you know, it's been some bad luck, but we've had some good luck this year, too. I just 
Hope we got one more race to go to land, and I hope we can run good there. I noticed some tire marks on the uh, inside of the car would be on the inside of the racetrack. Did that have had anything to do with the vibrations? Well, no, the track's getting real slick. Uh, everybody's, you know, really really not getting a good hold of the track, except for the two lead cars. They're running away from everybody. But a lot of slipping and sliding. You know, when you're on the bottom, you go to slipping, there's somebody up there. He's going to stop you, and it's, you know, it's just part of it. Well, for Rick Wilson and the crew, they'll just take a look at the car and plan better for the next race in Atlanta. And Rick Benjamin, it's particularly pronounced up there near you in turns three and four, where the track is even flatter by two degrees, and it is in one and two. The guys are all over the place. Been a lot of slipping and sliding, Eli, the last 15 laps. We watched Dale Jarrett bring the Hardy's Oldsmobile around here as if he were on a mile dirt track the last time by. He had that car crossed up, was able to gather it back in and stay straight. But when you're in the middle of a pack of cars, and now we're starting to see a lot of that uh, from 15th spot on back, that's pretty dodgy when you, when you lose the handle in the middle of this corner up here. It's going to be interesting to watch the battle for sixth position. Currently, it is held down by Dale Earnhardt, and right behind him is Rusty Wallace in seventh. Now, remember, those two got together up at the North Carolina Motor Speedway a couple of weeks ago, and folks are kind of wondering if that's all simmered out. We're going to watch it a round or two also. Here they come back into three and four. Earnhardt down, takes it, tries to get as close to the bottom of the racetrack as he can. Wallace has been looking him over for about the last three or four laps. He's within a half a car length of catching him in turn number one. Let's see what happens there. Doesn't look like Earnhardt's able to put his car down to the bottom and keep it there as well as Rusty is. Rusty drives it right down to the yellow line on the inside of the racetrack. He pulls even with Earnhardt as they hit the backstretch. Neither of these cars have appeared to be getting through three and four very well, but at the moment, Wallace a little quicker and a little smoother. Earnhardt is high. He still holds on to six spot. Wallace down down low, able to keep his car by the yellow line. Their nose to tail out of four. Rusty has drawn near. I'm just not so sure he can get off the corner as well as Earnhardt can, although Wallace is, as the fellows have been telling you, working better in the turn. They're back to turn number one. Again, Earnhardt has the outside line. He has the sixth position. It is Rusty Wallace who is challenging for the spot. He has the inside spot coming off turn number two. Tries to pull even with Earnhardt there on the backstretch. Not quite able to pull up alongside. Dale able to get off to a little stronger and then hold the car up high through the dog leg. Wallace trying to save ground on the inside. They're side-by-side side this time out of four, but it's still Earnhardt. Wallace takes a look down to the inside, and you can tell, having watched these two race all year long, that Rusty's cutting a little more slack on Earnhardt than he might have a couple of weeks ago because there's an awful lot at stake for both of these drivers. I won't say he won't get around him, but it won't be easy. They're back in turn two. Wallace pulls even again, coming off turn number two and hitting the backstretch, but again, just as the last couple of laps, seems the advantage, at least horsepower-wise, is to Earnhardt. Still Earnhardt on the outside with the advantage. Wallace brings the Kodiak car low on the inside, trying to pick off the spot. Earnhardt hanging on for all he's worth. That car plowing out of three and four. They're side by side. But again, Earnhardt gets the jump off the corner. Dick Brooks has moved into the Rusty Wallace pit area. Any word there as to whether they're telling Rusty to bide his time, Dick? Well, Barry Dotson and uh, Errol Elliott and them standing on a the wall are watching them. Uh, you guys was in this situation a week or so ago and you had a problem. Anybody talking about what you should do now, or are you doing what you want to do? We talked about it a couple days ago. We're just watching right now. Yes, they sure are. They're enjoying it about like everybody else, I think. They're, uh, of course, uh, you know, when this kind of thing happens, all the guys got to do is slip. And I know all the eyes of the racing world is on these two right now, so uh, they got to be careful. They are indeed that. And Earnhardt, caution over in turn number two as one car has gone into the wall. Larry Pearson has hit the outside retaining wall. He just came out of the groove running right by himself, slammed into the wall. He has now refired the car and is heading on down the back straightaway. But again, the caution because of Larry Pearson, who tagged the wall just coming out of turn two here. Kenny Schrader told us the other day that you can hit turn two's wall here at Phoenix very easily, although it's not usually 
a serious incident. You get to that wall real quick, especially if your car gets a little bit loose there or something. But you know, it's just a it's just a glancing blow. It's not a, not something that really mess you up too bad. But the, that, that wall creeps up on you real quick. And indeed the case for Larry Pearson, who has brought out the caution here for the second time this afternoon on lap number 78. And he comes down pit road. We'll see the rest of the field coming in here in just a moment. We'll take a short break, and we'll be back to cover pit stops. If you could hang an aero package on a lightning bolt, you'd have the legendary Trans Am GTA. GTA moves with a tuned port fuel-injected 5.7-liter V8. Its race-proven suspension and power four-wheel disc brakes answer the challenge of almost any road. And its body is the profile of choice for specially modified racers from Pomona to the Bonneville Salt Flats. Trans Am GTA, a 235 horsepower reason to say, Pontiac, we build excitement. Be sure and shop Food Lion, where extra low prices mean you pay less for all of your groceries. That's right, at Food Lion, we don't just have a few weekly specials like other supermarkets do. Instead, Food Lion has extra low prices on all of the groceries your family buys most. This week at Food Lion, be sure and take advantage of all the extra savings on the fine family of Dinner Bell Meats, the official meat products of NASCAR. Pit Road is a busy place. Jim Phillips. Well, this is the pit road. Your leader came in, Alan Kowicki. He took on four tires and gasoline in 23.6 seconds. Also, Dale Earnhardt in for four tires and gasoline. Terry Labonte is in. They did not work on the radio on his car this time. Also, Dick Trickle in for four tires. Morgan Shepard, Mike Waltrip, and Brett Bodine. The same service, four tires and gasoline. To talk to a Goodyear engineer, he said the tire wear today is the same as it was the last race. So it's been good so far here at Phoenix. Let's go to Dick Brooks. Well, Mark Martin was the first one in and about the first one back out again. Ken Schrader set the pits for quite a while. They got his car down and gone. Jeff Bodine chased Mark Martin out as they, as they went. Kyle Petty stayed in for quite a while. Derek Cope was in for a while. Harry Gant got four tires and got guns, as did Darrell Waldrop, Ricky Rudd, and the Rusty Wallace car. So they uh, all just uh, put on four tires, got ready to run some more laps. So Larry Pearson has brought out the second caution flag of the day. Again, it happened when his car spun around over in turns one and two to put us under the yellow flag. Just before that caution had come out, they had posted at least 26 cars as being on the lead lap. So the competition here has been very good at Phoenix this afternoon, despite the fact that you heard some of the drivers say the racetrack is very slippery, getting into one and two, and it's very obvious that quite a few of the cars are having some handling problems. They really are, but this caution will give everybody a chance to do some much-needed work. Mel Larson has stopped by in the booth to say hello from the Circus Circus Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas and the soon-to-open Las Vegas Excalibur Hotel and Casino. Was this racetrack as tough to get around when you were driving out here? I know you've driven this place a number of times. Well, I don't think uh, it was quite as tough as it appears today, but we weren't driving as fast then. And I ran on, I guess, 10 or 12 times over the years in the Winston West and the USAC and uh, some of the other races they've had here. But it's been a great race uh, site over the years, and uh, I'm always happy to get back here. And with our boat racing program at Circus Circus, I haven't been to many of the races, as you recall, other than Daytona, because they, you know the schedule conflicts. We have the Miss Circus Circus Unlimited with Chip Hanauer, the uh, championship driver for this year. So we're pleased about that and uh, looking for a great season next year. we got some more boats being built. And uh, so Circus Circus is, a, you know, to be reckoned with on the uh, Unlimited circuit. And, of course, now Winston has a boat in there, uh, which we're happy to see Winston uh, working with us. Mel, I think your heart's always going to be right here, though, in auto racing, isn't it? Well, that's for sure. Uh, you know, just know too many people for too many years. I guess it's about 38 years now that I've been involved. And... Uh, and there's some great people, so I, I just love being with them, and sorry I can't be with them more. 
Let me ask you one quick question. They're getting ready to go back to green, but before we do that, I know you raced here and you've been here many, many times over the years. Have you ever, did even in your wildest imagination, imagine we'd have the kind of fans, the amount of fans, the crowds that we've got here today for this thing? Well, I've been hoping for it for many years. I brought NASCAR into uh, Arizona in 1953 as a chief steward the first year, hoping that this sort of thing would take place in uh, I think I can take a teeny bit of credit for it. Well, well deserved. Appreciate you stopping by. I know a lot of us will be visiting you tonight when this race is over. Well, we see you all at Circus Circus and next June at Excalibur. Good deal. Mel Larson of Circus Circus Properties up in Las Vegas and many other locations around the country. Pace car is behind the pit wall. Here comes the field out of turn number four. Down to the inside, Phil Parsons brings them down into turn number one as they take off and set sail here back under green and heading for turn one. Race leader Bobby Hamilton, he's there trying to hold off Phil Parsons who's trying to get back on the lead lap and Parsons does it but gets a little bit loose coming off turn two. Hamilton pulls right back up on him as they go to turn three. Parsons and Hamilton setting the pace in the head of the pack at the moment. Dave Martin Marcus is the next car in line. Jeff Bodine, one of the drivers, has been very strong on the move, giving chase to Hamilton. Mark Martin and Kowicki right behind. So as those cars try and sort themselves out as they come down the main straightaway, we are 84 now. 84 laps on the board. Complete 312 make up the total distance in the Auto Works 500. Let's pause 10 seconds on MRN Radio for station identification. At Phoenix International Raceway, Jeff Bodine leads on the 90th lap of the Auto Works 500. Kyle Petty's car is now back up to full racing speed. He evidently got himself caught in traffic, and that's why he slowed down before to make sure the car stayed pointed in the right direction. Earnhardt now is in 13th spot, Jim Phillips. What are they saying in the pit area now? Well, I talked to Will Lynn. He said he thought everything was all right right now. Uh, Earnhardt's car got really loose all of a sudden. He stayed loose for just a while. They thought he might have snapped an axle. But now the car is running just the, the way it should, so there's no problems right now for Dale Earnhardt. So Earnhardt is back up to speed, at least for the moment, as Rusty Wallace is now going to put his car, looks like, into about sixth or seventh position. Let's set the field for you as they come out of the corner. It will be Jeff Bodine, the leader, by about a full second and a half over Alan Kulwicki and Mark Martin and Ricky Rudd and Sterling Marlin, the top five. Sixth place belongs to Rusty Wallace. They're all back in turn two. Back in the seventh position now, the Bobby Hamilton car. In eighth will be Bobby Hillen Jr. Ninth is Harry Gant. Tenth now, the Bill Elliott car. As the leaders go to turn three. Jeff Bodine starting to check out here on the field just a little bit. Alan Kowicki has broken free of Mark Martin and Kowicki back in second but unable to do much with Bodine. Then Martin and Rudd, Sterling Marlin and Rusty Wallace. There's a problem for Davey Allison. A lot of smoke coming out of his car in the corners. So Davey Allison and the Haviland Star crew, they're going to be checking over that machine here. Allison had been running well. He's run this racetrack a number of times in machines other than Winston Cup. But Davey is still somewhat off the pace, taking the inside groove back to turn number one. And we'll get an update from that pit area in just a moment or so. As we promised you earlier, we have details for you on how you can win an exciting trip for two people to the Daytona 500. This trip from the makers of Right Guard Sport Stick, Antiperspirant, and Deodorant. To enter the drawing, we would like you to call the Right Guard Sweepstakes Hotline anytime before the halfway lap of today's race. The hotline number is 1-900-990-5000. Again, that number is 1-900-990-5000. You can listen for further details at the halfway lap when the $10,000 will be awarded to the winning driver of today's Right Guard Halfway Challenge competition. But for you to enter that Daytona 500 sweepstakes now to win a trip for two to the Daytona 500, the Right Guard sweepstakes hotline number is 1-900-990-5000. 
The sweepstakes ends at the halfway portion of today's race. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Enter as often as you'd like. But remember, each call costs 75 cents. Let's go to pit road. Yeah, Eli, uh, I'm a Barney, and we stopped uh, down to see Robert Yates with the 28 car. Davey Allison said they've dropped the valve. They're going to go ahead and run as long as they can. Quite a bit of smoke out of Allison's car on a couple of occasions, particularly in the middle of the corner, but he is still out there running. The interval now between first and second is one and six-tenths of a second. At lap number 96, Jeff Bodine is ahead of Alan Kulwicki and Ricky Rudd. The battle's shaping up to be a good one back there for fourth place now as it works off turn number two and heads up to Rick Benjamin. It is Mark Martin sitting in third, but he's got his hands full right now. Barney on the move to the inside. Sterling Marlin, and Marlin knocks off Mark Martin to take over the fourth position. Marlin back on the move. Rusty Wallace joins the fray. There's three cars together. That's been a heck of a performance by Sterling today. Every time we look up, he is rocketing past somebody, particularly on the straightaway. He's obviously got some horses under that hood. Car is really hooked up, and they've got a pretty good engine program going right now. And Sterling felt like he ought to have already won a race in his career. He's just been a little bit disgusted, I think, in 1989 that they haven't been in victory lane. And you have been here with me every week, just like we both have all year, watching that team run. And he has had several opportunities to win, but the luck factor, as Mark Martin pointed out, just has not been there for him. But it's got to come just like Mark's did one of these days. Sterling Marlin's going to victory lane. 98 laps are complete. Jeff Bodine leads the Auto Works 500. 312 laps make up the total distance here at Phoenix International Raceway. Jeff Bodine, the race leader, just goes across the stripe to put lap 104 on the board. He takes with him a 1 and 3 tenths seconds lead going into the corner. Ahead of second place, Alan Kulwicki, who now begins to close just a bit. Ricky Rudd running third. Then the ongoing Sterling Marlin Rusty Wallace battle, which Rick Benjamin, now that Rusty's back very much in the hunt there, he's turned up the wick just a bit again. Rusty trying to reel in Sterling Marlin Eli as they come to turn three. He's been able to gain about a car length in the last lap or two. Both those cars working pretty well now. Earlier, Rusty's car was not able to stay low on the racetrack up here at three and four, but now he seems to have solved that problem. He's able to keep it nicely down on the inside. Some of the best racing on the speedway right now is going on far back in the pack as there's about 12 or 14 cars locked together. Morgan Shepard's back there, and they're getting three wide. Kenny Schrader and Dale Jarrett and Jimmy Spencer down in turn number one. It's a battle for the 16th position. Dale Jarrett's trying to hold off Jimmy Spencer as those two battle side by side. Kenny Schrader's trying to find a way to get by, and it makes it tough to get by when they're already double wide in front of you. Last time by, those cars were side by side by side up in three and four three wide now Dale Jarrett has moved in front of Jimmy Spencer and Kenny Schrader Terry Labonte and Eric Coper door to door coming out of turn four interestingly even though this is a one mile racetrack Kenny Schrader said you have to pace yourself as far as saving the brakes on your car that's a big factor here at Phoenix get down turn one especially and uh, it gets pretty tight and you went through three and four and a big sweep and turn you got a lot of momentum up you get down into one you're looking for a, for a whole football of brake pedal you normally think of breaking Dick Brooks, for instance, at a short track or a Martinsville, something like that. You wouldn't think a one-mile track would be that demanding on the brakes, but evidently it is. Well, it's flat turns, as we were talking about. They're running pretty fast, probably 160 miles an hour or so at the end of the straightaway. they got to get it slowed down to somewhere around 100 miles an hour, I expect. I never really ran here before, but uh, just to look at this racetrack, and as Barney keeps talking or has two or three times made mention that the drivers like or some drivers like flat tracks more than others, difference between a flat track and a high bank track as uh, versus maybe Rockingham or someplace like that is that everything is slowed down inside the cockpit. It's uh, the car can hang out on you a little bit. You can flat track it some. Some of the turn guys have been saying that some of the cars are running like they're on a dirt track. Well, that's what makes it fun. And guys like uh, Ricky Rudd, uh, Alan Kowicki, those guys are so smooth 
that uh, they can just let the car just kind of sit out on them just a little bit and just work the throttle back and forth. And I think it is fun for them. I think they uh, enjoy this kind of stuff. They don't overheat the tires. They're not scrubbing it back and forth. And uh, I think the guys like that do really do enjoy these racetracks. I know I always did at Michigan, places like that, where you can kind of, you know, flat track and have a little fun, smoke the tires, the stands jump and yell, and finally end up crashing. But other than that, you had a good time. And uh, I think they're enjoying doing that here today. Dick Brooks, who stays on his roof about half the time, <laughs> thought about that. 109 laps are complete here at the Phoenix International Raceway this afternoon. If you've just joined our broadcast, the attrition rate has not been all that high at all for the cars today. We're showing only four in the garage area. Butch Miller went out. So did Richard Petty at about lap number 35. Roy Smith, one of the top West Coast drivers, went into the garage. And Rick Wilson, the latest retiree to take his car out of the event here this afternoon. Still leading the race, Jeff Bodine. He's having a good run, good solid run for him this afternoon. Although he doesn't have that much breathing room right now. Right behind him, some maybe less than a half a second, the last time we put a watch on him there, is Alan Kowicki in the number two position. Ricky Rudd still having a good, strong run. He is in third. Fourth is Sterling Marlin. And fifth is the current Winston Cup points leader who wants to lock up his first Winston Cup championship in 1989. Rusty Wallace is getting around here very well also. The True Value Hard Charger Award at the 100-lap mark, some 11 laps ago, Alan Kowicki was leading that battle over Mark Martin, Ricky Rudd, Jeff Bodine, and Kenny Schrader. If you're new to Winston Cup racing, that True Value battle is where the drivers in positions one through five on each and every lap get points for those positions, and they are totaled up as the race goes on each and every lap of the 312 and then the winner of that event in the True Value Hard Charger category gets a bonus at the end of the race run. Pretty good battle going on on the racetrack right now between Neil Bonnet and Terry Labonte. They'll be door-to-door back there for about 16th or 17th position as they work out of turn number four and down to the line. As we pointed out a moment ago, that's where the best racing is, is way back in the middle of the pack. Good battle there and a good one just ahead of them involving Darrell Waltrip and three other cars in front of Joe Moore. It's unusual, Barney. Most of the front runners, at least the cars in the top 10 or 15 or so, are running in pretty much a single-file formation. But all this side-by-side action continues back near the rear of the field. That battle you described between Labonte and Neil Bonnet it still goes on as they hit to turn three. And the body on the outside where he's been running most of the afternoon. He and Bonnet have been in formation right around the third and fourth quarter here in the last 15 laps. It's Bonnet by a whisker. Neil Bonnet coming back to run his second Winston Cup race after the injury sustained at Dover earlier in the year. He ran well and finished sixth at Rockingham and now still battles Labonte in turn two here at Phoenix. Bonnet's got the edge coming off turn number two. He'll hold that spot, but on the back straightaway, here's Labonte turning up the steam once again. He gets the nose of the Budweiser Ford out in front as they go back to turn three. Labonte pulls in front of Bonnet last time by Rusty Wallace here in three and four. Finally got around Sterling Marlin to claim fourth spot. Didn't last very long, though, because Sterling takes his position right back as they get down into turns one and two. 114 laps are complete in the Auto Works 500. We'll be back. They are posting 119 laps on the board here at the Phoenix International Raceway. The running of the Auto Works 500. You're hearing it live on MRN Radio. The good battle on the racetrack now has Daryl Waltrip and Kenny Schrader going side by side off turn number four. They battle for position midway back through the pack, and it's still side by side to turn one. Schrader gets the advantage of going into the corner, but he's got the disadvantage of being in the outside line. Down low is where er, uh, Waltrip is, and Waltrip's got to get a little bit of a jump on it coming off turn number two there. 
It is Schrader on the outside, Waltrip on the inside. Schrader with about a foot length advantage down into turn three. Schrader trying to get that car back together so he can make a run at the front. He's got that Unical money in front of him today, but right now it's Waltrip by about a half a car length. Kenny Schrader was really hoping that hit the setup here this afternoon and he would be a contender to win this race. That's not saying he isn't, but right now he has fallen far back from his starting position of being on the pole this afternoon. He currently is being posted in 16th position, riding along back there, dueling with one of his teammates, Daryl Waltrip. That's been one of the best battles on the racetrack. Meanwhile, at the front of the pack, not a whole lot of competition there, at least at this juncture of the race, for at least for Jeff Bodine as he continues to circulate around here. He's got his car pretty well dialed in. Alan Kowicki had been the dominant car the first 50 or 60 laps of the race here this afternoon. Ricky Rudd also still running very, very strong. Those probably are the three best handling race cars on the track. Rusty Wallace has done their homework pretty well, too, along with Sterling Marlin. They, too, working very well in the corners, and that's the key to getting around Phoenix extremely fast is to have a car that you can do something with in the turns. I asked Jeff Bodine about that the other day, particularly about coming to a track where you haven't run that much. Do you ever stop learning when you're out on the Winston Cup racetrack? I haven't stopped learning. I think the day when you uh, think you stop learning or think you know it all is the day you better hang that helmet on a hook and, and let, let somebody else go out there because uh, uh, things change. Conditions change all the time. You have to adjust to those conditions. And that's, that's part of learning. That's a learning curve. You, you have to realize that and, and adjust to that all the time. The cars change. Uh, you know, go from a Monte Carlo to Illumina. So you're, you're in a learning process again, learning what this Lumina likes as far as setup-wise and how to drive it, how it reacts in different situations. Tires change all the time. Uh, nothing is the same in racing. It, it's always changing. So that's what I, uh, you know, I, I guess you say you adjust, or you compensate, but to me that's learning. Uh, you have to learn to do all of that. And so, yeah. I think until that day I hang my helmet up, I'm going to be learning something about stock car racing. You, know, you talked to the drivers here this morning, Barney, after all the weekend of practice and so on. The Chevy drivers in particular like the way the Lumina has felt on this racetrack this week. Well, there was a lot of thought and effort and design and wind tunnel tests and technical data over the last few years as to what they needed in a race car. And I think the new Lumina solved a lot of problems for the General Motors uh, teams that run those cars and for the most part they have been pretty well happy with them all year long. By the way backtracking to Jeff Bodine for a second I'm sure you like everybody else we finally got the press release the other day in the mail that made it official that uh, Jeff Bodine is uh, driving Junior Johnson's Ford next year with the Budweiser sponsorship and it had almost been kind of a, a running gag in the garage Jeff Bodine would come up to the team publicist and say when's that press release going out when's that press release going out and uh, it finally showed up in the mail the other day so all is indeed signed for 1990. A lot of people are real curious as to how that will work up there with Jeff Bodine driving for Junior Johnson. You couldn't find two people from more opposite ends of the spectrum, so to speak, with Jeff being from upstate New York and kind of fielding his own teams. And John McMullen over the years has told us that Jeff built a lot of the modified cars and chassis. I don't think Junior could have hired a driver that probably knows what makes a race car work, spring-wise, chassis-wise, engine-wise, whatever combination you want to come up with, and Jeff Bodine. The key will be how his chemistry blends in with the rest of the team up there. And I, I think some folks are going to be surprised. I think they'll do a whole lot better than everybody thinks they might. They might well. His lead is still one and zero seconds. It's one full second, a bit over one full second. Over second place, Alan Kowicki, and third place, Ricky Rudd. We are right now sitting some 29 laps away from halfway. And remember, if you'd like to enter that special drawing we told you about, or the special contest, more appropriately put, the right guard halfway challenge sweepstakes. If you'd like to guess at the 
driver you think will be leading it halfway, the hotline number to call is 1-900-990-5000. That's 1-900-990-5000. Each call costs 75 cents. You'll get all the details on the phone as to how maybe you'll win a trip to the Daytona 500 in 1990. Let's take you back through the running order a little ways here at lap number 128. We got this at lap 122. It's pretty much the same. The leader is Jeff Bodine. Alan Kowicki is second. Riding third is Ricky Rudd. Fourth is Rusty Wallace. Fifth is Shirley Marlin. Sixth is Mark Martin. Harry Gant is seventh. Bill Elliott's eighth. Ninth right now. They're still showing Butch Miller in the tenth position. Correctly, that's Bobby Hamilton. In 10th position, that will be Dale Earnhardt. The 11th place belongs to Morgan Shepard. In 12th will be Mike Walford. 13th is Dale Jarrett. 14th will be Jimmy Spencer. 15th is Ernie Irvin. The 16th position here this afternoon. That's been a good strong run for that car of Dick Trickle out here. He won the Southwest Tour event here yesterday afternoon. We'll talk about that a little bit later during the day. Dave Marcus is being posted 17th as they work around this racetrack right now. The field pretty well strung out as much so as we have seen it all day. And while they are, let's take a quick minute to talk a little bit about Mark Martin's win a couple of weeks ago up at Rockingham, North Carolina. I think it was one of the most popular wins I've seen in a long, long time. And Mark uh, told us the other day that he was probably more surprised at the response from the different fans and everything having won that first race. Well, the biggest things, uh, like I said, Barney, are, are the fan response there at the racetrack. The team response was overwhelming, and uh, you know the the feeling of of uh, relief and and extra relaxed feeling that that we all feel right now. We're as anxious as we've ever been to go out and win a race, another race, but we do feel a little bit more relaxed and and uh, uh, a little bit more confident right now. You know the the. But, but one of the things, you know, you only get your first win once, and, and uh, the people really made that special. The, the fans and the teams made that special to us. Well, to see the, the teams wait out on pit road for him to come by and give him a thumbs-up deal was, you know, kind of put a little lump in your chest there or a lump in your throat, so to speak. And he said that for him, that first win personally wasn't what he thought. He said, I don't know what I expected it to feel like, but I felt better for my team than I did myself. I felt better for, for the guys than I did for me. Um, you know, I didn't have that much personal uh, feelings. Uh, I was glad for Jack and, and Steve and Robin and and all the rest of the guys that support those guys, which uh, direct, directly and indirectly support me as well. Um, it was their accomplishment that I was proud of and, and not mine. I think we all breathed a sigh of relief, though, when Mark Martin got I his first so. win. We'll take a break. At lap 133, Jeff Bodine still leads the Auto Works 500. We'll be back. Stan Barrett brought out the caution for the third time this afternoon, moments ago, and pit stops now are underway. Dick Brooks? Well, first of all, I, I was standing right down below him. I just uh, walked down in the corner and uh, see what kind of racetrack there was down there. It's a fun place to do. I don't think he did anything. He just kind of slid around the corner a little bit. Uh, Ricky Rudd got out and had a little trouble getting going. There's a couple cars had to stop to go by him. And uh, the 94 car, Sterling Marlin, as he comes by, he's got a lot of uh, smoke and uh, looks like oil pouring out from under his car. But Bill Elliott stopped. They put on four tires in his car. Rusty Wallace, Ricky Rudd, as I said earlier. Darrell Walter, Perry Gant, Derek Cope. All of them come in and change four tires, put in a put in a full tank of Unical gasoline and back on the racetrack. Jim Phillips. On this end of pit road, Alan Kowicki took on four tires of gasoline. Dale Earnhardt the same. Four tires of gasoline. Also Dick Trickle, Mike Waltrip, and Brett Bodine. Terry Labonte came in. He took on four tires of gasoline. And then 
Junior Johnson hustled Richard Petty's helmet around for Terry. They switched helmets trying to get that radio problem corrected, and now Terry Labonte is wearing the STP helmet of Richard Petty. Richard, if you're just joining us, uh, dropped out of the event with an engine failure earlier this afternoon. Today's broadcast of the AutoWorks 500 is brought to you under exclusive radio rights granted by the Phoenix International Raceway to MRN Radio. Solely for the private, non-commercial use of our listening audience. Any publication, reproduction, or the use of the description and accounts of this race without the expressed written consent of NASCAR and MRN Radio is prohibited. We are bringing you complete coverage of the AutoWorks 500, and it's on to Atlanta International Raceway in just a couple of weeks' time for the conclusion of the NASCAR Winston Cup season. And, of course, in 1990, MRN will be along with you most every week again with Winston Cup, Bush Grand National, and NASCAR Winston Modified Tour coverage. Right now will be the time for you to drop a quick note to the radio station you're listening to and let them know how much you appreciate their coverage of motorsports and hope that they'll be along with MRN in the 1990 season. And to let you know to what radio station you're listening to will pause 10 seconds on MRN for station identification. Here at Phoenix International Raceway, I'm Eli Gold alongside Barney Hall. Our turn reporters are Joe Moore and Rick Benjamin. Dick Brooks and Jim Phillips are on the pit lane with Ralph Shaheen in the garage area. Our engineers are Harry Howard and Clay Stalka. We're glad you're with us on what is a gorgeous afternoon here at Phoenix International Raceway. Eli, we were talking about, uh, or as I mentioned, Ricky Rudd was having trouble getting out of the pits. They've got the car stuck in fourth gear. That was the reason he couldn't get going. That's going to be a shame because uh, I've been watching him, and I think all in all, he's been one of the one of the fastest cars on the racetrack. This is going to make it tough for him getting started on these restarts. They're forming up for a double-file restart over in turn number three right now, and they'll go back to green at lap 140. Jeff Bodine is a leader. Rusty Wallace should be riding in the number two position. Then third, they're posting Alan Kowicki. Fourth is Ricky Rudd. Fifth is Mark Martin. Sixth will be Bill Elliott. And seventh back there right now as they get ready to go back to green will be the Sterling Marlin car. Double file restart. Pace car diving in behind pit wall. They accelerate out of turn number four, come down to the line, and Harold Kinder displays the green flag, and they'll race toward the west end of this racetrack. Down to the inside, one car trying to get his lap back will be Lake Speed in turn one. Speed battles there with Jeff Bodine, but quickly has to give in. Bodine gets around him. Now comes Rusty Wallace working on the outside of Lake Speed. He, too, bypasses that car. Alan Kowicki next in line. He'll take the outside lane on the backstretch. Kowicki trying to race his way back into contention. Meantime, Rusty Wallace, who gained two spots on the pit stop exchange, closes it right up by Jeff Bodine into three. So it's Bodine and Wallace, then Kulwicki, and next in line is the automobile of Ricky Rudd. But the big story is what Dick Brooks alluded to before. While Jeff Bodine, Wallace, and Kulwicki all got up to speed in a hurry, the next man in line, Ricky Rudd, stuck in fourth gear. He didn't get up to speed, and everybody else who was stacked in behind him got lost in the shuffle, and the front three have now pulled away, and from Rudd on back, the other top runners are mired in traffic working back to turn three. Bodine and Wallace over Kulwicki, and they've stretched it out. Brett Bodine's car leading the pack, although he has a lap down. Rudd starting to get some speed back now, but he's got five cars to contend with directly in front of him. But a lot of those cars behind Ricky Rudd have really got their work cut out for them to get back up there and catch the leaders. They head back to turn number one. Here's the battle for the lead. Down to the inside of the racetrack, Rusty Wallace, he challenges Jeff Bodine coming off the corner. Bodine gets a good bite on the outside. He hangs on to the top spot as they go back to turn three. And Kowicki goes outside of Wallace as they head to three. Kowicki trying to get second spot back from Rusty Wallace. They're side by side behind Jeff Bodine. It almost, by half a car. it almost looks as at the angle that Rusty is trying to go to the low side of the racetrack is almost binding up the car just a bit. And that allows Bodine to pull away and now Kowicki to challenge him on the outside. Kowicki pulls up, takes the same line that Bodine had a few moments 
minutes ago, and yes, it's paying off for Kowicki as well. Off turn number two, he takes an outside lane and bypasses Rusty Wallace, so Alan Kowicki now picks up the second spot. Indeed, Kowicki running better on the outside. Now he cuts into Bodine's lead. He's about a car length back as they hit three. Wallace sits third. Some of the closest racing of the day for the lead going on now at the front of the pack as they come back down to the line. They're all chasing right now Jeff Bodine. A little further back, good battle going on in the field also from Mark Martin back there, Bill Elliott, and Sterling Marlin, and Dale Earnhardt. That's a pretty good scramble. Well, Ricky Rudd is holding on to the fourth position. He's leading that particular pack of cars. He's separating from the front runners by about three lap cars. Martin sits right behind Ricky Rudd. Then comes Bill Elliott and Sterling Marlin. Rudd trying to get things back in order. He's trying to work now on the Lake Speed automobile. Martin, who has been slipping back further and further, now catching up to Rudd as they battle for fourth. Bill Elliott right there, too. And now it's about time to see who's got what near the front because we're 11 laps away from halfway, and that right guard halfway challenge, 10000 to the driver leading at halfway. We'll cover that story when we come back to Phoenix where Jeff Bodine continues to lead. We welcome you back to Phoenix International Raceway. Alan Kulwicki leads Rusty Wallace and Jeff Bodine just six laps away from halfway and a $10,000 payoff from the folks at right guard on the line with the halfway challenge. Alan Kulwicki, the defending race champion here in Phoenix. Is this car as good as the one in which you won in here last year, Alan? Well, so far, I think it's every bit as good. We've got a different car. You know, we ran a rear steer car here last year, and we've come back with a front steer, and just because we won last time doesn't mean you can come back identical to that. You know, what was good enough last time might not be good enough this time. I think that's evidenced by the fact that 14 cars broke the track record. So we came back with what we thought would be the best car for this track. So far, the Zero Four Thunderbird's running good, and we'll just see how things go on race day. And you dangle that $10,000 from right guard in front of him here at halfway. Rick Benjamin, he's just pulling away and hiding now. He's showing the same kind of dominance Eli did in the first 50 or 60 laps of this event. Kowicki has just driven away from Rusty Wallace, who's second, and they have left Jeff Bodine in their wake back in third. As they work across the stripe, the interval now between Alan Kowicki and Rusty Wallace is one and three-tenths seconds, so he's really turned up the wickets. You know, we start talking about a $10,000 bonus at halfway mark or such and such a lap or whatever it is. Sometimes I swear these guys have got a radio in the car and they're listening to us, and all of a sudden they start really getting away to try and clinch that money and lock it up real quick. Well, the interesting thing is uh, we monitor the NASCAR radio in one ear of our headset while listening to ourselves in the other, and Alan Kowicki's frequency is right close to NASCAR, and occasionally his spotter's conversation with him will bleed over into our right ear, and the spotter said, Alan, which 12 laps away from the money lap, so they are keeping close tabs on that as well. It's not just as though they're listening does. Everybody's aware of the money on the line. And now Kowicki continues to pull away to turn three. Kowicki opening up a dozen or 13 car lengths over Rusty Wallace. His car working well on this set of tires, as is Wallace's car. They've left Bodine and Ricky Rudd now. Rudd has broken free of the lap cars, but he's been unable to gain ground on the three leaders. I think the Davy Allison car just uh, won a spoil as it came by me. It started puffing out a lot of smoke, and he kept trying to hold it down. So I think the uh, drop valve has turned into a terminator. He's on the apron of the racetrack over in turn number three. Apparently, it is going to be the end of the day for Davey Allison as he brings the car on around the speedway, and we approach the halfway point. So if Davey goes to the garage, which it looks as though he will, he'll join Butch Miller, Richard Petty, Roy Smith, and Rick Wilson, all of whom have retired with engine failure. We told you earlier that Davey lost a cylinder early in the event, and now he is making that left-hand turn. So Ralph Shaheen will get a word with Davey Allison shortly from the garage. 155 laps on the board, one shy of the halfway Mark, let's pick up Alan Kowicki. 
He's heading down the middle of the back stretch and up to turn three. Golicki is coming out with a dog leg, Barney, and down into turn three, and all by himself. He's got, again, 13 or 14 car legs over Rusty Wallace and Jeff Bodine. And Kowicki easily in front down onto the main straightaway. So as Allen comes off turn number four, he'll take the crossed flags from Harold Kinder. And Alan Kowicki has just won the right guard halfway challenge for $10,000. And for you folks who entered the right guard halfway challenge sweepstakes, you'll need to know again the name of the halfway challenge winner to qualify for the trip to the Daytona 500. Alan Kowicki leading it halfway here in the Auto Works 500. 156 laps are on the scoreboard right now. The front three have a lot of daylight on everyone else here at Phoenix this afternoon. We've just passed the halfway point. Still some good racing going on around this track. A lot of it is far back in the pack. It'll be from 16th to 20th position or whatever, but there's been some good tight battles at the lead. But so far, the way Kowicki's had his car hooked up here this afternoon, nobody's been able to really do that much with him, and now he extends his lead even more out of turn number two. Kowicki is really wiring the field at the moment, Barney. We've been keeping an eye on the battle for 5th, 6th, and 7th. It's involving Dale Earnhardt. Also involved in that battle, a couple of other, the strong runners, Sterling Marlin and Mark Martin. And now Marlin starting to show some advantage. Those three cars nose to tail as they race through turn three and four. That's been a good battle here over the last number of laps. Let's update you on the Armour NASCAR scoreboard. When we left you at Martinsville last weekend in the Winston 500 Classic, you know that the modified point chase had really tightened up. It was just one point of a lead for Mike Stefanik over Reggie Ruggiero going into today's final race at the Thompson Speedway in Connecticut. And it is just now about 10 minutes after four in the east. And that race has just now begun. It is a 75-lap, 5-8-mile racetrack, so there's no pitch strategies. It's a flat-out uh, battle for the championship. And I think appropriate enough, Marty, the two guys who are battling for the points are side-by-side side in the front row. Mike Stefanik won the bush pole. Reggie Ruggiero starts outside of row number one. Again, it's a one-point differential between those two. Tony Hirschman is only 40 points behind, and we should have an update to, on that finish from Thompson, certainly well before we go off the air here in Phoenix, Arizona. That'll be quite a scramble up there for to determine the champion in that division. There's been some good racing in all the divisions. Bush deal went right down to the final race up at Martinsville last weekend, and this one's going right down to the final race today. That was something last weekend. Uh, no, you, you can't show partiality to anybody. But yeah, everybody was, I think, privately looking for Tommy Houston to pull off that first championship in the Bush Grand National Tour after running every t- one of the 237 tour races dating back to 1982. Rob Moroso will have uh, many an opportunity again to probably win Winston Cup championships before it's over. And he's a deserving champ, don't get me wrong. But I think Tommy was kind of the sentimental favorite when uh, the engine uh, went up in smoke going into turn number one there last weekend. It, it, it kind of brought a disheartening feeling for just a moment. Well, we got some conversation out of the garage here from a lot of the Winston Cup guys who followed that battle up there last weekend, and they too were kind of hoping that in a roundabout way, Tommy Houston could come up and get his first championship after the years that he has run on that circuit, and been such a credit to the sport in Bush Grand National Racing. Of course, on the Armour scoreboard last week, we told you of L.D. Ottinger, who picked up the win at Martinsville in the Winston 500 Classic over Harry Gant and Rob Moroso, and Moroso of Madison, Connecticut, is the series champion. Kenny Wallace, the rookie of the year, the Cox-treated lumber machine prepared by David F. and the rest of that crew. They had a super year. We are 162 laps into the books here at Phoenix International Raceway. 312 laps make up the total distance. That's 500 kilometers. And Alan Kowicki, as he did it halfway, continues to lead now over Rusty Wallace, Jeff Bodine, Ricky Rudd, and Sterling Barman. We'll be right back.
Montgomery here with Reba McIntyre. Reba, your schedule never seems to let up. <laughs> Look who's talking. I'll take my schedule over yours any day. Well, neither one of us wants to slow down just for a headache. Well, Ralph, that's why I always take plenty of goodies headache powders out on tour. And I keep plenty of goodies around the studio. Well, when you work for a living, you learn to count on goodies. Use as directed. Goodies headache powders and extra strength tablets. Back at Phoenix International Raceway, just past the halfway point a moment ago, we're working lap 165 of the 312 that make up the Auto Works 500. No change in running order at the front of the pack. It's still Alan Kowicki, Rusty Wallace, Jeff Bonine, Ricky Rudd, and Sterling Marlin, the top five. Davey Allison just went to the garage a moment ago. Let's see if we can get a thought from him. Well, Davey, you started 14th on the day. It looked like a pretty good day for you, and then all of a sudden things went sour. Well, we were moving up through there. You know, our Texaco Haviland Thunderbird was, was working real good. And we were giving it a little bit of a chance to breathe. We weren't going to try to run real hard at the first. We, wanted, we knew we were going to have to make a few adjustments. There is trouble in turn number two. Phil Parsons has hit the wall hard in turn number two. He was racing alongside Michael Waltrip. Those two cars came together. Waltrip came up the banking just a little bit and looked like sort of forced Phil into the outside retaining wall. He did a lot of damage to the left side of the car. He's now trying to refire the car. Finally, he has. And is trying to turn it around and take it back around to the pit area. It has put us under caution for the fourth time this afternoon again when Phil Parsons' car turned around, just coming out of turn number two and slammed into the outside wall. Let's go back to the garage. All right, well, we're back with David. Go ahead, David. Finish your thought there. Well, you know, it's just a tough break for our whole team. We've had some problems the last few races, uh, trying to get some things sorted out. The car was working real well today. And, uh, you know, we're just trying to to get one under our belt, try to learn some things. We've learned some things. Now we've just got to get ready for 1990. I want to say hello to my wife, who's back at in uh, South Carolina listening or watching to the race today and and tell her I'll be home to see her tomorrow. All right, well, Davey Allison's going to head for the airplane, and we're going to see if we can find the cars involved in our incident. Phil Parsons' car has now fired over in front of Joe Moore, and apparently will be able to pull away under his own power, but there's a lot of smoke out of the car, and I'm sure there's going to be quite a bit of sheet metal damage to the machine. At any rate, it has put us under the yellow flag, and Pit Road will be a busy place here in just a moment. From the Phoenix International Raceway, this is MRN Radio. Ralph, he's going to stay on the yeah. racetrack. Yeah, well, no, I he's, think. he's stuck out here in three. Oh, he's yeah. not going to make it. They're going to have to send a hook out for him. All right. I saw that guy's when it happened. I was just going to wait till he finished his little piece over there. No problem. All right, well, I'll go ahead and wait here for a few minutes, and then uh, we'll just let me know from there. Okay. All right. Looked like some other cars was going to go right in on that. Yeah. It's a tough old turn there. Yeah. Here at Phoenix International Raceway, most everyone taking advantage of this caution period brought out by Phil Parsons to come on to pit road for service. First to Jim Phillips. Your leader, Alan Kowicki, came in. The Xerox team took on four tires and gasoline. Also, Dale Earnhardt, Dick Trickle, Morgan Shepard, who's having handling problems, took on four tires. A chassis adjustment there. Michael Walter, four tires. Terry Labonte, four tires. Also, Ernie Irvin and Neil Bonnet. And they were working on Terry Labonte's helmet again. They have his helmet fixed, but he's stuck with the Richard Petty helmet. So he's still wearing Richard's helmet. He has contact in one ear on his headset, 
and he can, but he can talk back to his crew now. Now let's go down to Dick Brooks. Down here we had uh, Kenny Schrader come in, took four tires and uh, and fuel. Took him a long time to get him out. They had a little trouble getting the right side tires done. Jeff Bodine did the same thing. Larry Pearson come in, got his. Sterling Marlin got treated with his and uh, went out. Kyle Petty the same way. Uh, uh, Harry Gant came in. Daryl Walter, Ricky Rudd, Rusty Wallace, and Bill Elliott. They took off four tires. And I didn't see any chassis adjustments on anybody's car, so they must have been happy with them. Bill Elliott's car had been smoking a little bit from underneath, but uh, everybody felt that it was just tire smoke a little bit, so I don't think there was a problem with it. Phil Parsons' car had to be attended to by a wrecker that has went out to turn number three to pick the car up and has now pushed it into the garage area. And apparently Phil will be through for the day, and we're still under caution. Joining us in the Motor Racing Network booth this afternoon is Mr. Bill Morrow, the district sales manager for the Gillette Company, who was here to see the halfway challenge a moment ago. We were just talking on a commercial break there that this has really been a great program for you folks. Oh, it really has. It's been an outstanding program. It's been a lot of fun by the consumers, our customers, the drivers. It's worked really well this year. What's in store for 1990? Well, we're coming back next year. We're going to have 14 more races. Uh, the drivers will have a chance to win 10000 halfway challenge again from right guard. And the, we're going to have a super uh, program for consumers as well. Bill, I think a lot of the people in the Southwest and companies that have gotten involved just recently in racing, although you folks have been in and out over the years, I know, yep. are suddenly surprised how many race fans we've got in this part of the world. Yes, I, uh, I've been in Atlanta and now out in L.A. both, and uh, having experienced the crowds out there, that's really something. But coming to Phoenix and seeing this today, they're really involved, and the trade, our customers have been really involved in promoting it with the consumer here as well. I thought getting involved in that 900 number today was a unique approach to the contest. That's worked very well. In fact, that's kind Coming up next year, too. So we'll have the 900 number available to the consumers, and they can enter the sweepstakes at home. So that's going to be a good program. We're looking forward to a great year next year. Well, Bill, thanks for joining us. We're about to go back uh, to work here, but enjoy the rest of the afternoon, and uh, thanks for Gillette's participation. Thanks a lot, Eli and Barney. I appreciate it. The right guard halfway challenge underway again here today, won by Alan Kowicki leading this event at halfway. Right now, though, with 170 laps on the board, it's Rusty Wallace, who has very quietly worked his way to the point as we go back to green. Pace car by Behind the pit wall, Harold Kinder waves the green flag. Here they come. The land rush down to turn number one. Wallace on the outside. Down to the inside is Larry Pearson trying to put his car back up there and get ahead of the leader as they hit turn one. Pearson fades back a bit going into the corner as Rusty Wallace advances right behind him to Bobby Hillen car. He makes a bit of contact with Dave Marcus, squeezes him to the outside. Here's Jeff Bodine advancing down on the inside. Jeff Bodine is on the move. He's reclaimed second spot now, getting in front of Dave Marcus. Right ahead of him, Larry Pearson's car. Rusty Wallace driving away in the lead out of four. And Earnhardt's trying to blaze a trail for himself inside of Marcus around the couple of cactus and back towards the front as he now has the car hooked up. He's alongside Kowicki in a drive to the point. And he gets by Kowicki going into turn number one. Allen tied up a bit in some traffic. Earnhardt makes a nice move to get by. Now Allen dives down to the inside to get by Dave Marcus. Dale Earnhardt down the backstretch through the dogleg trying to chase down Jeff Bodine who's running in the second spot. Kowicki swings inside Dave Marcus's car. So Kowicki cleared of the slower cars in front of him. Bill Elliott on the move too right behind Kowicki. Tell you what, from fifth position on back here in the Auto Works 500, it has been a hornet's nest since they put him back under green. Bill Elliott's locked up in that. So is Mark Martin in a passel of other traffic as they work over to Joe Moore in turn two. Mark Martin now down on the inside of Dave Marcus. He clears that machine while right behind him, Sterling Marlin's trying to get by the Bobby Hillen car. 
Hillen finally gets out of the way. So down to the inside goes Sterling Marlin. Dead even with that machine as they go back to turn three. Still door to door into three. Meantime, the leaders have started to stretch it out. Single file. It's Wallace way out in front of Jeff Bodine. A lot of smoke from behind Bill Sedgwick's machine, the man who was campaigning for Rookie of the Year on the Winston West Tour. His blue and white Spears sponsored automobile with a lot of smoke from behind it as he goes around this racetrack well at reduced pace. Off turn number two now. Down the back straightaway. Jeff Bodine's going to have to work some race traffic. Jeff Bodine to the inside. Clears one of the other cars. He's got Dale Earnhardt filling his mirror as they line up in a battle for second spot. Earnhardt really going after Bodine now out of three and four. They get awful close coming out of turn number four. Meanwhile, that has allowed the leader, Rusty Wallace, to really open up at least a half a straightaway on everyone else as he certainly has a dominant car at this stage of the race. 175 laps are complete with Rusty Wallace leading the Auto Works 500. We'll be back. It would be... At Phoenix International Raceway, 181 laps on the board, and Rusty Wallace has gotten his Kodiak Pontiac just plain hooked up at this racetrack. He is now three and a half seconds ahead of second place Jeff Bodine and third place Alan Kowicki. Dale Earnhardt running in fourth spot, and Mark Martin in fifth. That battle now working on the racetrack. But in the garage area, a man who was making a serious run for Rookie of the Year in the Winston West Series this year, Bill Sedgwick out of the race with Ralph Shaheen. Well, Bill, you've had a great year in the Winston West Series chasing those Rookie of the uh, Year honors, but your first Winston Cup race didn't go so well. What went wrong? Uh, something in the ignition. We're, we're not quite sure what it is right now, but, you know, it's the first Winston Cup race here, and we're just trying to hold our own out there. Can't say enough for the Spears manufacturer, you know, and the, the Buick. We're running pretty good. They're just trying to hold our own while we're doing. Possibility of seeing another Winston Cup race soon in 1990? Oh, yeah, you'll see a lot more of us. We're trying to work our way up the ladder, you know, and then running more and more races as we go along. Let's go back upstairs. Two good battles going on on the speedway. One will be for second position between Alan Kowicki and Jeff Bodine. That's been an ongoing battle for the last five laps around this racetrack as currently Bodine holds on to the number two spot. Then for fourth place, Mark Martin's got his hands full right now with Dale Earnhardt and Bill Elliott. That's all occurring over in turn two. Both those battles go back single file here as they enter turns one and two. But coming off turn two, Kowicki will take a shot down on the inside of Jeff Bodine. Pulls up alongside the rear quarter panel of Bodine. Kowicki likes the inside coming off that dog leg down to turn three. He's got the inside line on Bodine this time. They're door to door. Kowicki edges in front of Bodine for second spot. So as the field works back off turn number four, Kowicki holds that position. Bodine will tuck back in line behind him here, going beneath the flag stand. Congratulations to Mark Williams from LaGrange, North Carolina. He has won the right guard halfway challenge sweepstakes for that trip for two to the Daytona 500. So, Mark Williams, it has paid off for you, knowing that Alan Kowicki was the leader at halfway here in the right guard halfway challenge going to be a heck of a program for 1990 uh, with the reception that that uh, 900 number has gotten here today. 185, now 186 laps are on the board. The story on the racetrack for the moment is Rusty Wallace. He has just peeled away from everybody to take a comforting, a comfortable lead. But on the other side of the spectrum is Ricky Rudd. He had been running well. We told you the car was stuck in fourth gear. And now, Dick Brooks, you tell us the situation is uh, degenerating even more. Well, if I've got enough time to explain all this, I'll try to do it if we don't go off the air first. I got a, years ago, we had clutches under these cars that uh, only had one disc on them, and they were about 12 inches of clutch, and they had, uh, and the clutch plates themselves, or the, or the actual surface of the clutch, was about two and a half, three inches wide. So they had a lot of surface, and it, uh, you had one set of springs that, uh, that held that clutch against the flywheel, which transferred the power back through the transmission. Now, they, for, for the last few years, they've done away with a great big heavy flywheel 
and they use a flywheel assembly that is about the same thing that you use on the uh, on, a, on an automatic transmission car that has nothing on it but a starter ring. And that just works. The only reason they have that, really, it doesn't jerk for any balance or anything, just uh, so they'll have a ring so they can start the car. Now, inside of that, there's a clutch that's real small. It's about six inches across. Only has about an inch and a half uh, surface plate of uh, a clutch plate. Now, there's about four or five of those discs in there, and they're set under an enormous set of springs. Uh, I mean, a multi-set of springs. The problem with it is, is when you slip those things, there's very, very little surface, as I said, uh, with the clutch plate plates uh, against the pressure plates themselves, and they heat up real fast. So Ricky being stuck in fourth gear, he uh, has to slip it, slip it, slip it a little bit to get out. That's kind of a touchy thing. Sometimes you can do it and not overheat it too bad. Once you slip it, most of the time, you can't ever get it to work again. Well, that's what happened to him this time. They went out of the pits. They uh, were in fourth gear. He got the clutch a little bit hot. They started falling back, falling back. He stayed off of it and off of it. Larry McReynolds talked to me, the crew chief, said they're trying to cool it down, but they thought they'd probably have to fix it. Now it seems to be working. He's one of the fastest cars on the racetrack. So he got it cooled down. But I would expect before the day's over, he's going to have another problem with it, and it's going to put him out. For some people's information, I was looking at the Goodyear blimp in Le Mans, France one time, running under 24 hours in Le Mans. And the same thing happened to me, put me out of the race, the last American team in the race, and it was exactly the same thing. So that's kind of touchy to me. And in Atlanta, it's a couple of weeks from now, we do the race down there. Dick Brooks will explain how to build a hydrogen bomb in 25 words or less. <laughs> Good explanation, Dick. 191 laps are complete in the Auto Works 500 here this afternoon at Phoenix International Raceway. The running order remains exactly the same. It is Rusty Wallace out front, Alan Kulwicki second, Jeff Bodine third, Mark Martin is fourth, and fifth is Dale Earnhardt is slowing down here in the front straightaway. A problem right now on the 21 car. The Wood Brothers machine for Neil Bonnet and the Sitco Ford. We'll kind of keep our eye on that and see what happens as he slows even more out of turn number two. From the Phoenix International Raceway, this is MRN Radio. We are at Phoenix International Raceway. You're tuned to MRN Radio with our live coverage of the Auto Works 500, the next to the last Winston Cup race of the 1989 season. Rusty Wallace is the leader over Alan Kulwicki, then Jeff Bodine, Mark Martin, and Dale Earnhardt. I'm Eli Gold alongside Barney Hall. Joe Moore and Rick Benjamin are in the turns today. Dick Brooks, Jim Phillips, and Ralph Shaheen covering the pit area and the garage. And right now, on the racetrack, Rusty Wallace having it all his own way, but there is activity in the Wood Brothers' Sitco pits for team member and driver Neil Bonnet. Jim Phillips, what have they found as the problem there? The clutch is slipping. Same problem that Ricky Rudd has had a while ago is uh, hit Neil Bonnet's team. The clutch is slipping, but they can't get his tool down problem for Neil Bonnet. It's a shame, too, because he was so happy with his run up at Rockingham a couple of weeks ago, making his return to racing, and it felt so good to be back in a race car. He posted a good finish up there, and he's had a lot of miles on this racetrack over the years also. He has. He's run a number of different race cars here over the years. Not that a clutch is a dollar fifty part, but I asked Darrell Waltrip a number of weeks ago what happens when a $35,000, $50,000 racing machine is put onto the shelf because of one relatively small part that goes out on you. How do you reconcile with that problem? Well, you know, because of the effort that's being put forth by everybody, uh, and I look at it maybe a little differently than uh, some drivers do, I know how important morale is. I know how important momentum is. I know how important attitude is about how the race car does. And it's really hard on me as a driver to fall out of a race 
because the two races I've fallen out of, I know I had a chance to win. The other side of the coin is, is the guys can get so depressed because uh, they were leading the points. After uh, Sears Point, they were second, 100 behind. After Pocono, they were third, uh, 200 behind. So I don't want them to get down to the point where they say, well, we just, we're not going to win the championship, but maybe we can win another race or two. And that's what Darrell Waltham talks about. In his case, their midseason, a uh, broken small part put him out, and they went, as you heard, from that uh, lead to a, a deficit, which they never really have been able uh, to recoup. They've come certainly close and have run better uh, here at the uh, tail end of the season. As a matter of fact, the points for the tied Chevrolet team going into this weekend has Darrell Waltrip still within shouting distance, 164 points behind Rusty Wallace, but he was able to pinpoint those little pieces that broke midseason that really turned things around for that team uh, to, the, to the negative. And he's also talking about what it can do psychologically to a race team to either have bad luck in your own making or somebody else take you out of a race or whatever. And it takes a team, a race or two, to kind of bounce back after that. I think that has affected Dale Earnhardt's team some. Let's go to pit road. Well, Barney, one thing about uh, what Eli just said, not saying that it clutches nitpicking or small pieces or whatever, but some of the pieces have improved so much over the years that they're just almost bulletproof. And those clutch assemblies are. They, uh, the guys can run those things anymore. They don't have to magnify the flywheels and stuff like they used to for safety purposes. And they just keep running them over and over and over. And, uh, and when those kind of things happen, I think that causes some of the problems like with now. For, so, for no reason whatsoever, uh, the thing just starts slipping other than the fact that you haven't checked it in a long, long time. So uh, to simplify the clutch problem while ago with Neil's car and also with Rudd, those are bulletproof clutches anymore. They are considerably better than they used to be, and they're a whole lot safer. So uh, some of these things happen. These guys may have ran these things all year. But even now and then, something that is bulletproof will break. Ron Esau makes a pit stop, and they're working on the left header pipe on his car. He is down and away and going back onto the racetrack. 202 laps are in the record book here. 312 will make up the Auto Works 500 this afternoon. Rusty Wallace leads right now. Alan Kowicki is second. Third is Jeff Bodine. Fourth is Mark Martin. Fifth is Dale Earnhardt. We'll be back in a minute. 107 laps are on the board here at the Phoenix International Raceway, and for the moment, everybody is chasing Rusty Wallace. After the midway point of this race, when Alan Kowicki was leading, Rusty just manages to turn the wick up on the Kodiak Pontiac and now is pulled away to take a very comfortable lead. Here he comes out of turn number four, back to the start-finish line. We'll get the differential for you as he goes beneath Harold Kinder on the flag stand. Now Alan Kowicki, two and six-tenth seconds behind. One of the gentlemen we talked to early in the race has gone to the garage, Ronnie's Shaw and now Neil Bonnet also taking the ailing Sitco Ford to the garage area. Let's get an update from Ralph Shaheen. Well, Eli, we're with Ron Esau as we watch the 21 machine roll back here into the garage. He's still sitting in the car, and we'll see if we can get through the net here. Ron, what went wrong with the car? Well, he's a little too busy. He can't get to us right now to tell us what's going on. We're looking at the crew. They're working on the front end. We'll see if we can get a report from somebody down here. Any idea what's wrong with the car? No, nobody's Nobody seems to want we got the crew chief over here. What's wrong with the car? Can you tell us? Any idea what's wrong with the car? No, they're still talking about it. Don't want to tell us anything. And they're chatting with Ron, and we'll see if we can go over and get a word out of the Sitco car. Okay, we'll try to find out something there in just a moment. 209 laps are on the scoreboard here this afternoon at Phoenix International Raceway in the Auto Works 500. Rusty Wallace is leading. Alan Kulwicki is second. There's no danger of him losing that lead right now. The intervals are pretty good one for the leader. Riding along in third place is Mark Martin. Fourth will be Jeff Bonine. And rounding out the top five will be Dale Earnhardt. We had a chance this week to talk with a lot of the different car owners and drivers that are still looking for sponsors for 1990. 
And at this stage of the year, normally by the time even at the end of September, the majority of sponsorships are already pretty well locked up and signed and sealed and delivered. And the teams are making their plans of what they can do, how many races they can run in 1990 or the coming year, obviously. But there's at least 10 and possibly as many as 12 teams down there that are still looking for sponsorship. And a lot of them are kind of getting nervous about that. We're going to take a look at that as we take a look inside NASCAR. At Phoenix International Raceway, we have continued under green while you are listening to the status report on many of the teams looking towards the 1990 racing season. Rusty Wallace continues as the race leader with Alan Kowicki, Mark Martin, Jeff Bodine, and Dale Earnhardt still running in that order on lap number 224 of 312. I really don't uh, I don't envy the position that some of these veteran team owners are in who have had uh, the, the backing for a lengthy period of time. Guys like Dave Marcus who all of a sudden, even though they might need less than some of the others to operate, all of a sudden here on the uh, 5th of November, they're having to search when testing and preparations for 1990 should be well underway. It's a tough situation. And there's a lot of teams in that boat, a lot of teams that we didn't even touch on. Uh, the, Bob, the Butch Mock team and Bob Rahilly team have not signed their sponsor. Neither is Junie Don Levy. And there's several more down there that are looking, although they're talking, and I think some of them probably will end up with something before 1990. There very well possibly be, could, could be some teams that go to Daytona unsponsored when the 1990 season begins. Dale Earnhardt slows just going out of turn number two for the moment. Might have drifted a little high over there, but the car off the pace for just a moment. We've had four caution flags here this afternoon in the Auto Works 500. A dog came on the racetrack on lap 48 over the wall, and that brought out the yellow. At lap 79, Larry Pearson cut a tire down and hit the wall in turn number two. The third caution at lap 136 when Stan Barrett's car hit the wall over in the number two corner, and the fourth one came out at lap 166 when Phil Parsons hit the wall over there also. The attrition rate wasn't too bad for at least a little past the halfway point, and then all of a sudden in the last few laps here, there's been a half a dozen cars or so have bit the dust. Butch Miller is out of it. So is Richard Petty. So is Roy Smith. Rick Wilson is in the garage area. Davey Allison is out. Phil Parsons, Bill Sedgwick, Ron Esau. Ernie Urban has just gone to the garage along with Neil Bonnet and Bobby Hamilton. Let's check in the garage right now with Ralph Shaheed. Well, I'm standing here with Ernie Urban. Ernie, you came in here 21st in the points, one spot out of maybe making some extra money here at the end of the year, then the car let go on you, and the guy that went out just in front of you was the guy that was 20th in the points, Neil Bonnet. Yeah, it's a shame. You know, we really had the Kroger Pontiac running good today, and and evidently, you know, we had something go wrong in the motor, but, you know, we're going to be back for it, uh, next week in uh, Atlanta, and hopefully we'll put a better show on well, Ernie Irvin's going to try and grab some money when he gets down to Atlanta, and we're going to run right over here, all of about 20 yards, and I got Neil Bonnet walking into me. Neil, what went wrong with your car? Well, I stood on the gas coming off, too, over there, and the motor rev wide open. We came back in, sprayed some extinguisher stuff on the clutches, slipping, and then all of a sudden it just tore completely loose, clutches all the way out of it. You know, the guy that went out just after you was the guy that was one spot behind you, Ernie Irvin. You saved the point money here today. Yeah, well, you know, we needed to finish the race. That thing meant a lot to us, but, you know, we're doing the best we can. We'll get after him. You feel okay yourself? Oh, yeah, I feel good. All right, let's go back upstairs, and we'll round up some more guys down here for you. We had talked uh, just prior to the uh, inside NASCAR feature or had attempted to get the story on the Ron Esau car, and the crew, as you remember, Ralph was telling us, they were climbing all over that car to find out what was wrong. They have now traced the problem to a failure in their braking system. Well, that car has been retired with brake failure. Bobby Hamilton also went to the garage a few moments ago, and we'll get an update on the Nashville driver in just a second. 229 laps are on the board. 312 make up the total distance. It's the Kodiak Pontiac of Rusty Wallace showing the way over Alan Kulwicki here in Phoenix. Here at Phoenix International Raceway, Ricky Rudd is in for pit service. Remember with that bad clutch also, Dick Brooks? 
Well, I don't know for sure why they stopped quite so quick. It just happened to me. I walked up into the pits and I seen they were going to come in. I was going to ask somebody, but uh, they're going to have a little trouble getting out of here. Uh, remember earlier, they said that the clutch was bad on the thing. They're going to try to push it out as best they can. It's just going to be a tough thing for them if they don't uh, if they don't really mess their clutch up and go the way Neil Bonnet went. He is down and away very, very slowly. He's gone a couple of laps down already as he is trying to get the car up to speed. He's going perhaps 30 or 40 miles an hour now as he finally gets it rolling. It'll take a long time to get the momentum up in that car to even reach anywhere near race speed, and he could lose as much as three laps, which is indeed going to be a costly stop for Ricky Rudd. And it's, it's a shame, too, because the car is hooked up about as well as anybody here this afternoon. 236 laps are on the board. You had to know that was coming, even if he had stopped uh, under caution. Had he gone back up to uh, green flag running uh, when we went back to a restart, he would have been uh, dreadfully behind on that start. So it was a tough break, but you have to stop eventually. Everybody was on pit road looking to see what they had done to the car. They did put on two tires, as uh, Dick told us. But on lap 236 now, Ricky just now getting back up to full race speed midway down the back straightaway. Taking a look at some action on the Armour NASCAR scoreboard, some racing that might be coming up in your area this coming Friday night. The All-American Challenge Series of NASCAR runs the Volusia County Speedway in Barberville, Florida. And then on Saturday night, the All-American cars are at the Sunshine Speedway in St. Petersburg. Now, your original schedule for the All-American Challenge Series also showed a race at uh, Tom Stimus's DeSoto Speedway in Bradenton, Florida, scheduled for November the 12th, but that race has now been canceled. So Friday night, Volusia County Speedway. Saturday night, the Sunshine Speedway in St. Petersburg. Stanley Smith has a 69-point lead on Mark Day. Right now, here at the uh, Phoenix International Raceway, 238 laps are on the board. Rusty Wallace continues to lead, and we have just gotten the results in on the NASCAR Winston Modified Tour race at Thompson, Connecticut. Tony Hirschman has won the race. Mike McLaughlin finishes second. Mike Stefanik third. And Reggie Ruggiero fourth. So Stefanik will win the championship. It will be his first NASCAR Winston Modified Tour championship, which he had taken a 90-point lead into Martinsville last weekend. It evaporated to a one-point lead after the Winston 500 Classic. So congratulations to Mike Stefanik winning his first NASCAR Modified Tour championship and Tony Hirschman winning today's 75-lap race at Thompson. That's up to the minute on the Armour NASCAR scoreboard. The interval between first and second here at Phoenix right now. First place being Rusty Wallace. Second being Alan Kowicki is one and seven-tenths of a second. It has varied anywhere from a little over two seconds to about one and seven-tenths. But Wallace has found a pace he can certainly live with here this afternoon as he works his way toward his first Winston Cup championship after coming so close last year and being runner-up to Bill Elliott. Barney, we just talked about Ricky Rudd pitting. I uh, talked to Larry McReynolds again if they could finish the race, and he said no, they couldn't. He said they could only run about 68 to 70 laps. Well, I talked to Barry Dotson, which was next to him with uh, Rusty Wallace's car, said they were going to pit in about another six laps and, uh, and that they could finish, that they had just crossed the point of where they could make it to the end. So if a caution come out now, they could top it off, finish it, and go ahead and finish the race. But in Ricky Rudd's case, he's going to have to make another stop either way. So that's a situation with 241 laps complete. We'll see everybody on pit road at least one more time. We'll take a short break, and we'll be right back to Phoenix. We're back at Phoenix International Raceway. Rusty Wallace, the leader on pit road. Well, he just uh, stopped, put on right side tires. They did not go to the left side. The right side, I'm in the pits, and the right side tires look extremely good. And what I can see, the left side did, too. One thing that probably would have made a difference, and uh, Rudd's team might have been betting on it just a little bit, that uh, if Rusty came in next, 
because he was a leader, he would take on four tires and go back out. Well, they didn't do that, and uh, so that's going to leave Rudd even further, further back. Well, as good as Wallace's car has been working here all afternoon, apparently they took a look at the tires and figured they only needed two, and that's exactly what they changed. 244 laps are in the book. Alan Kowicki now goes into the lead as Wallace has made a pit stop. The rest of the teams will be on pit road shortly. From the Phoenix International Raceway, this is MRN Radio. Here at Phoenix, the race leader, Alan Kowicki, is on pit road. It might be a four-tire change. Yes, they're going to change all four tires on Alan Kowicki's car. Dale Earnhardt came in. He only changed two tires. Also, Morgan Shepard was in for service on the Babylon car. But Alan Kowicki is going to gamble and take on four tires and try to win this race. As earlier, they pointed out Rusty Wallace only took on two tires in gasoline. But Alan Kowicki and his team putting on brand-new Goodyear sticker tires. They're going to roll the dice and see if they can win this race today. And there were some more of the front runners down in front of Dick Brooks in the pits just a moment ago. Well, Bill Elliott was in. They just changed two on his car. As we said, they did with uh, with Ricky Rudd earlier. Rusty Wallace only put on two. Harry Gant came in and put on two cars, two tires on his car. And let him go. So I think uh, the normal thing's going to be for these cars to just take two, except as he said with Kawicki. Now they must be gambling from something. They're going to have to make up a lot of time for the extra time they're going to spend in the pits. There was a major problem on Kawicki's car. They changed the right side, then the left side, then they went right back to the right side of the car again and began changing tires. Jim Phillips, what happened there? They had trouble getting the right rear tire off. They had to go back around and, and take it off after they'd already changed the left side. So we're going to try to get a word from Paul Andrews and see what happened. Dick Trickle is also in. Kyle Petty has made his stop, and just about all the front runner, at least the front 10 or 12 cars, have now gone onto pit road after making their scheduled pit stops. Right now they're showing Daryl Waltrip as the leader. Let's pause 10 seconds on MRN Radio for station identification. A lot of smoke out of Sterling Marlin's car. The Sunoco Oldsmobile is back on pit road, trailing smoke heavily. He locks it up, and there's fire in the front of the car. You can see quite a bit of fire and flames and smoke coming out from under Sterling Marlin's car, and another car almost hits the wall down in turn number one at the same time. Derek Cope slid up out of the racing groove here in turn number one, just about tagged the wall. Right in front of us on the exit to pit road, Sterling Marlin's car comes to a halt. There's fire coming out from underneath the hood. Seems to be on the right front side of the car. And again, the car is just past the pit lane where you make the exit to rejoin the race traffic. Just here in turn number one, smoke continues to pour out of the car. Sterling has climbed from the car. There's an awful lot of smoke coming out of Sterling Marlin's car. He exits the machine very quickly, takes a few steps away from it. Out on the grass, the fire trucks are there. And what a bad day for Sterling Marlin here at the Phoenix International Raceway after having a super good run. Let's go back to Joe Moore. The uh, fire department people have come by and they're spraying uh, some of the material on the car to put out the flames. Earlier today in one of the pit stops that Sterling made, when he came back onto the racetrack, it seemed that right front tire was binding, didn't want to turn. We didn't see any more problem from it uh, later in the race, but this may be some of the same problem here for Sterling Marlin. They've got the fire extinguished. Sterling's walking around checking out the damage. Now, this is... Sorry, Barty. Derek Cope had not pitted. He was the fellow who hit the wall behind uh, the Sterling Marlin incident and is now limping his car around the racetrack. He hadn't pitted, nor had Jimmy Spencer, who was in now, nor had Darrell Waltrip. And Darrell is still being shown as the race leader. So that is how that unfolded. They're still tending the Sterling Marlin car up there in turn one. And we're about to say that all of this is going on under the green flag. Now, despite the fact that there was a lot of trouble on Sterling Marlin's car, it happened on pit road. It went right on through the pits and out on the apron of the, of the pit road down there. So so the car is not anywhere near the racing surface. Now they're bringing a wrecker out there and will move Sterling Marlin's car. So we are still under green flag conditions as Darrell Waltrip is the 
will be the last of the front runners to make a pit stop, and he is still out there on the racetrack. So Waltrip hoping to get a caution flag here. would have been a great break for him, but such is not to be the case right now. Here's Brett Bodine making his pit stop. Let's go to pit road. And we're going to the right side of the rotorcraft board. It's going to be a right side change for Brett Bodine. They're looking at the F-side tires, but I don't think they're going to do it, and they're going to, let's go down to Dick Brooks and Darrell Walker's pit stop. Well, they certainly wanted a caution to come out. I'm not one to make a judgment to call here, I guess, but uh, there's been a lot of problem here on the end of pit road. It's kind of bad. When they come off the pit road, they can't see those cars sitting over there, but I think everybody's got it pretty well intact now, and they're going to let it run as they drop Darrell's car down with right side tires as the Brett Bodine's car just comes by also. Everybody clears their back on the way. Rusty Wallace has now reassumed the lead as pit stops have been completed by all of the front runners. He comes across the stripe. He'll have a comfortable lead on second place. Trouble in turn one. Rusty Wallace's car breaks loose. He spins it completely around, tags into the outside retaining wall. A lot of damage to the left side of Rusty Wallace. Wallace has hit the wall. There's another car involved also as the sun is really bright up in that area, but Wallace's car car. has come to rest at the apron of the racetrack, and it appears to be Stan Barrett's car, the other machine involved. Now, Rusty gets his fired and is moving on around the racetrack. And also, Stan Barrett is away, but it has brought out the yellow flag here in the Auto Works 500 this afternoon. Let's go back to Joe Moore. Wallace came into the corner in turn number one, and he came in and just kind of cocked it sideways. The car slid up the banking, collected the Stan Barrett car, then tagged the outside retaining wall. He slid back down across the racetrack, sat there for a few moments, then refired the car and drove away. Looks like some sheet metal damage. That's all we can see. Presently, as a car comes back down the front straightaway, it looks to be okay. Joe Moore got uh, Sterling Marling here. Sterling, Sterling, what happened to the car? I don't know. It looks like a, looks like a rotor come apart or something twirl the right front caliper off. You know, that's, that's all I can say right now. We can't say the more to get it back in. The car went off good. Had a good shot. We got on a set of tires there at the last stop. Staggers off. But uh, Snow Cold car run real good. We're going to get them. Well, it sure did. He had a good day going today, and it was tough luck for him. As they come by, you could see the rotor and the right front coming apart, so that's exactly what happened to it. So Sterling Marlin's car is now hooked up to the wrecker and heading for the garage area, and he is out of it. We'll take a short break because pit road is going to be closed at least for a minute until they get everything cleared down where Sterling's car was. We'll be back in a minute. They have opened the pit lane for service while we were away. Darrell Waltrip was in very quickly and has come off the pit road with the race lead here in the Auto Works 500. And Jim Phillips, a chance for the Kowicki crew to amend for the problems of earlier. It sure did, Eli. They came in and made a good pit stop this time. Got on four tires, four brand new tires, and put in a tank of Unical gasoline. So that should clear them for the rest of the race. Also was in was uh, Morgan Shepard. Dick Trickle was in. Dale Earnhardt was in for four tires and gasoline. Also Terry Labonte and Michael Waltrip. All these cars, the strategy went back to the four tires and the gasoline to get ready for this final run here at the Auto Works 500. Dick Brooks. Well, they're going to bring Rusty Wallace's car back in. They're going to measure the wheelbase on the car, so evidently there was some damage done uh, to the chassis itself. The left front tire is into the fender, so that either means, means that it's bent out uh, as some camera. Well, I can see it from here. It's been in, and there's a lot of toe out on the car. That's not going to be an easy thing to fix. The left rear quarter panel has uh, been in against the tire back there. I think those things are repairable depending on how bad the strut or how bad the tie rod arms. Well, I can see it from here. It must have an inch and a half of toe out in it, which is not a good thing. They can finish the race that way if nothing else has been bad, but uh, they're not going to have the same car as they had. Ricky Rudd's back in the pits. He's got a heating problem with his. 
and they're doing what repair they can on that. They're opening up the front end and trying to get all the air to it they can, and I can see oil underneath the hood there. Kenny Slater's car just came in. They changed tires on it again, dropped it down, and let it go. But Rusty Wallace's car is still sitting here as they have tried to adjust the toe-in on the car with the uh, toe-in length. Here at Phoenix, the way they have come off the pit road, Dave Marcus is on the tail end of the lead lap. He is lined up directly behind the safety car. The race leader is Darrell Waltrip. Second is Bill Elliott. Third is Mark Martin. Then you've got Dale Jarrett's car next in line. Fifth is Labonte. Sixth is Jeff Bodine. Seventh is Harry Gant. Eighth, Dale Earnhardt. Michael Waltrip is ninth. Tenth is Morgan Shepard. Eleventh, Dick Trickle. Twelfth spot now is Kulwicki. Thirteenth is Jimmy Spencer. And fourteenth spot is Kenny Schrader. Now Kulwicki is back on pit road. You were talking about the sunshine and glaring in the driver's eyes. Alan Kulwicki's windshield was not clean. He had some problems being able to see, so they brought him back in and they're using brake clean to clean his windshield with. So Alan Kowicki is getting ready to go back on the racetrack. It'll be at least another lap or two before we go back to green as cleanup efforts continue down in turns one and two. Jeff Bird of Sports Marketing Enterprises of the R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company is here in Phoenix watching the race this weekend. Boy, this facility has really improved, has it not? Well, the last time I was here was 10 years ago, and Buddy Job and uh, his folks out here have done a tremendous job. It's a first-class facility, and it's just chock full of people today, Barney. I, I tell you what, it's just gratifying to see the Winston Cup Series come out here to Phoenix and draw such a huge crowd. We're talking on a commercial break there in a minute ago during the caution, too, about the enthusiasm of the race fans out here. It's almost like this sport is just starting in this part of the country, isn't it? It really is. Uh, you know, you think they don't get their dose of it out here like the fans in the southeast do, but they're really enthusiastic. They wait around the drivers meeting. They were looking up like they were looking up almost at idols up there. And then when the uh, drivers came out and accommodated them with autographs, they were they were uh, most thankful. And it was uh, it's, it's fun to see because, you know, we get a little jaded down there. We see this every weekend in the southeast, and these folks aren't as lucky as we are. And But they're surprisingly knowledgeable, and I'm sure they follow it on Motor Racing Network and uh, keep up, and they know when to cheer and when to boo and just like the people in South Carolina and North Carolina. Yeah, they catch on real quick. Jeff, they're about to go back to racing here in a moment. I know we'll be in New York in a couple of weeks to crown the Winston Cup champion. It's been a great season. Yeah, it sure has. It's going to get tight right here, so we'll give it back to you, Eli and Barney. Thanks a lot. All right, we'll go, go back to green in just a moment from Phoenix International Raceway. This is MRN Radio. We are back in the green here at Phoenix International Raceway, lap 262 of 312. The race lead held by Darrell Waltrip. Moments ago, Derek Cope in the Purelator machine just unlapping himself, so he is back on the tail end of the lead lap. The man who took the restart on the tail end of the lead lap, Dave Marcus, is battling to stay there. But now as they come off turn four, the front two cars, Waltrip and Bill Elliott, along with third place Mark Martin, about to go by Dave Marcus. And you have a call to Dale Jarrett. He is in the fourth position he too pulls up to try to catch the front threesome as they work back off turn two again and here's rusty wallace back on pit road yet again this time under green it's going to cost him dick brooks well i just talked to harold elliott who's the engine builder on the car and uh, and one of the key players on it ask him what uh, if rusty said what happened he said yeah the 90 car just just bumped him as they went in a turn and got him sideways now they did try to adjust the front end on the car just the toe end and uh, they came in the second time tightened up the tie rod links on it. They come back this time to change right side tires. They had a flat right front. So it's just not one of those. I mean, it's just, you know, all of a sudden it's falling apart. 
the flat tire had nothing to do, I don't think, with anything else. They had already changed it. It was a new tire, and that was flat. Wallace is back on the speedway. He goes a lap down, and he is back about the middle of the field trying to work his way back to the front. He likely will not be able to do it with an ill-handling car. The battle up front for the lead, it has been a dandy for the last two laps around, and finally, after three or four cars, kind of beat and bang and shove a little bit, Bill Elliott comes out with it over in turn number two. Elliott was racing side-by-side with Darrell Waltrip. Waltrip got out of the groove a bit. Elliott got by and took the lead. Mark Martin scooted by. He took second. Darrell Waltrip falls back to third. So Elliott, who has been out of the ballpark, really, on as far as handling in three and four most of the afternoon, now seems to have hit on things. He pulls away from Martin by a couple of car lengths. We've seen him do that many a time. Just keep on working and working again. That car ever that much closer to where they need it to be. And here late in the afternoon, there's Bill Elliott showing the way back into the corner. Pit stops continuing. Ricky Rudd is back in again with his ailing Quaker State Buick. But on lap 266, everybody is chasing Bill Elliott. But he's only got a couple of car lanes edge over Mark Martin in three. Martin very strong down into three, Eli. He's about two cars behind Elliott. Waltrip, who's been fighting an ill-handling car, trying to hang on in third ahead of Terry Labonte and Dale Jarrett. It is amazing in Winston Cup racing how quick the fortunes of different teams and drivers can change in an event. It looked like earlier today that Alan Kowicki might just run off and hide and win this race going away. Then when Rusty Wallace took command, he had everything his way for more than 100 laps. And now all of a sudden, after a quick caution flag here just a moment ago, Bill Elliott seems to be the car they're going to chase all the way down to the checkered flag. They're back in three. Elliott's still holding on. He's right behind Derek Cope's car trying to get him back a lap down. Martin has closed right up on the rear deck lid of Elliott out of four. On the attrition list, Stan Barrett has now retired his machine, taking it to the garage area. Sterling Marlin obviously out. And at last report, Bobby Hamilton was taking his car to the garage. That was a while ago. Ralph Shaheen, have they retired it for the day? Well, yeah, we're right down here with Bobby Hamilton, Eli. And you had a great day going for you, Bobby, in your first ever Winston Cup race. Well, we really did. You know, our qualifying effort was a good deal. We had a job to do for all them people. We come down here and done it. You know, they... We, you know, they want a job done. We took care of it. Are we going to see a Winston Cup car again soon? I hope so. You know, Rick Hendrick now was good enough to let me do it once. I'm, maybe we can get around doing it again. And, you know, I'd like to thank Rick and Darrell Waltrip and, of course, the people on the car, Exxon, for making it all possible for me to do. Well, Bobby Hamilton's going to sit down here and enjoy the shade, but we got a hot battle out on the racetrack. Let's go back upstairs. We've had some good ones, not only up for the lead, but for the back in the pack also, as some of the cars are trying to get back up there after making those last pit stops. You're saying Ricky Rudd is now three laps down, Eli? Right, and that last stop, he lost two more laps on the pit lane, so he is now being shown three laps down on lap 270. But across the stripe now, Derek Cope will go one lap down as Bill Elliott and Mark Martin bypass him, but the battle for the lead in front of Joe is a good one. Martin goes to the outside of the racetrack, tried to pulled even with Bill Elliott. Wasn't quite able to do that. Behind them now, the lapped car of Derek Cope. Then comes the Darrell Walter machine and Terry Labonte. Elliott able to hold Martin at bay by about two car lengths. There knows the tail in turn three. Darrell Walter trying to hold his car down low. He's got to get by Derek Cope if he's going to join the battle. Then Labonte and Jeff Bodine. The Fords, for the most part, off and on, have been pretty strong here all day long. And right now, there's two at the front of the pack in the form of Bill Elliott and Mark Martin. Meanwhile, Darrell Waltrip's not that far out of the picture. He's less than half a second back of those two as they work out of turn two. Martin puts it right down to the inside of the racetrack once again. Looks for a shot to get around the race leader. Bill Elliott can't do it. They're back in single file. Martin trying to find a way to make some ground up on Elliott. They're coming up on the much slower car now of Ricky Rudd. Elliott and Martin with Cope next in line. And then Darrell Waltrip out of four. 
If you're wondering about Alan Kulwicki, he remains on the lead lap, but he is now six seconds down to the race leader, Bill Elliott. That by virtue of the lengthy pit stop of earlier. One car smoking a bit in turn number one. That's Ricky Rudd's car down to the inside of the racetrack. Race leader's coming up on him. Rudd pulls it down to the inside of the racetrack. Problems continuing for the Quaker State team. The problem with the, with the 26 car of Rudd is that they had uh, something flew up went through the front mesh grill and into the radiator, knocked a hole in it. They've got the thing, try to plug it off, but it's leaking water just a little bit. That's uh, that's probably the antifreeze that they use for the coolant that is getting on the headers. It's calling the smoke. Rudd is off the racetrack, comes back on the pit road. We've also been seeing quite a bit of smoke come out from Michael Waltrip's Country Time Lemonade cars. He's been going through both ends of the racetrack. That smoke a couple of times. We've seen it come out from under Waltrip's car a little bit. Meanwhile, Bill Elliott still leads by three car lengths up in turn three. Elliott over Mark Martin. Barney, those two drivers trying to get away and stage their own battle to the finish, but Darrell Waltrip won't let him go. Now he has climbed back around Derek Cope's car to run a strong third. We'll get the differential for you, but from second place, Mark Martin, back to third place, Darrell Waltrip, just eight-tenths of a second. So things are still very close with Jeff Bodine and Terry Labonte also battling with those cars for the lead. 275 laps are complete. 312 make up the total race, and right now they're chasing Bill Elliott. We have 32 laps remaining here at Phoenix International Raceway in the running of the Auto Works 500 for NASCAR's Winston Cup Series. Bill Elliott is the leader over Mark Martin, Terry Labonte, Darrell Waltrip, and Dale Jarrett with a super run. But Jeff Bodine's efforts have apparently gone up in smoke for this day. Let's go down to his pits. Well, I tried talking to Waddell Wilson. He just said that the thing's gone and uh, walked off. Went over pit row and left, and uh, Bodine come down through here. There wasn't a board, and uh, believe me, when you're in a driver in a race car, and you come down pit row, everything looks the same. And if there's not a board out there, you don't know where to stop. So he went on by, and they pushed him back. He's coming in uh, right here right now. I might be able to get a word with him here just in a second. I don't know where they're going to take him. Jeff Bodine's car being pushed behind the pit wall. He had a good run going at one time. He led quite a bit of this race this afternoon and had a shot to win this thing. But now it's all over as he has gone behind the wall. The laps are winding down here at Phoenix International Raceway in the Auto Works 500 this afternoon. 282 are now on the board. That'll give us 30 to go, and it'll all be over here this afternoon. Here's Bill Elliott, the leader, out of turn number four, ahead of Mark Martin now by some 10 or 12 car lengths, which will translate to just about a second as they work back into turn number one. Terry Labonte is back up to third place after really dropping back in the field in the early going this afternoon. He's coming on strong in the final runs. And also Darrell Walter being posted fourth. And give a call to Dale Jarrett. He's hung in there in the top ten all day long. Been very consistent as the leaders work out of turn number two and head over to turn three. Keeping an eye on Labonte, Barney. He's really had his work cut out for him. He had that radio problem. The car didn't handle at all the first 75 or 100 laps of this thing. And now he's getting around here as well as anybody else in third spot. Add to your attrition list as well, Ricky Rudd. The overheating problems of moments ago have now forced him to the garage area. He's had a myriad of problems all day long, but as Dick Brooks was telling you before, they tried to seal up that hole in the radiator where a piece of debris had gone through. They've been unable to do that, and instead of staying out there and putting fluid on the racetrack, Ricky has now retired his car. 284 laps on the board. Let's go downstairs. Well, with Ernie Elliott standing here, Ernie is standing back here. It looks like you're uh, waiting for it to all be over. What did you do to make it work? Well, we've been running pretty good all day, you know, just sort of hanging in there. Just trying to make adjustments all day. You know, the race ain't over, so we don't know yet. We hope we win. You never know till it's over. Okay, I think they uh, standing here from a long dry spell. I think they just got their fingers crossed that uh, everything stays together. I think that's a kind of an optimistic thing. Well, the race is not over, but we're going to have to wait and see what happens. 
That's a whole key to winning races and a consistent driver that'll end up in victory lane more than his share of times is if there's a little something wrong with the car and it's not going to be perfect every time they drop the green flag in all 29 events on the Winston Cup circuit. But a driver that can keep that car in contention can live with a little problem on it, keep it on the lead lap more times than not and make six or eight pit stops during the day and get it cured as obviously the Elliots have and now they're being chased by the whole field. Terry Labonte is really putting the heat on Mark Martin, and that'll be for the number two position as they work into turns three and four. Terry's been up there within about a half a car length to catching Martin a couple of times, but hasn't been able to do anything with him so far. So now, three Fords are at the front of the pack in the form of Bill Elliott, Mark Martin, and Terry Labonte. Darrell Waltrip continues to ride fourth. They're over in turn two. Looking at another Ford in the field that was pretty strong earlier today, Alan Kulwicki. He has moved back up to the ninth position after losing a lot of time in the pit area, and he's having a hard time now working back up through traffic. He's making his way off turn two now, working there with a Michael Waltrip car, also with Jimmy Spencer. Another car on the racetrack with some problems is Lake Speed, as he's been going through the turns here of late. He's really been lighting up the corners. A lot of smoke coming out from behind that guy. Let's update you on the running order. As of lap 285, three laps ago, Bill Elliott, the race leader, then Mark Martin, Terry Labonte, Daryl Waltrip, and Dale Jarrett, your top five. Earnhardt is sixth. Seventh is Dick Trickle. Harry Gant, eighth. Ninth spot was Michael Waltrip. Tenth, Jimmy Spencer. As of three laps ago, 11th place was Alan Kulwicki. Twelfth spot belonged to the Morgan Shepard car. And 13th was Kenny Schrader. 14th, Dave Marcus. He was a lap down. 15th was Lake Speed, who has just now been black flagged for putting all that smoke down. 16th spot belonged to the Derek Cope car. 17th place was Jim Sauter. And Rusty Wallace was running an 18th spot, a lap down. So Wallace is 18th. Earnhardt was 6th. Two laps down is Bobby Hill in the 19th. 20th spot, also two laps down, is Joe Rutman. And 21st, Brett Bodine. Three laps down in 22nd, Hutch Strickland. 23rd, Kyle Petty. And 24th, Jimmy Means. Four laps down in 25th, Larry Pearson. And 26th was the Bill Schmidt car. Here comes Lake Speed onto pit road for service. A lot of smoke from behind that car as the crew going to work there. Let's check up on his stuff. Lake is going to be serviced from the left side of the car. The hood will also go up on the bullseye machine, so a lot of work there for Lake. Quite a pretty good run going a short while ago. He was in 15th spot before the smoke began billowing from his car. Terry Labonte's just taken over the second spot from Mark Martin as they raced into the third corner that time by. Labonte had been threatening to take over that spot for the last four or five laps around. Finally puts a move on and it pays off for him. Track officials estimated today's crowd here at Phoenix International Raceway at more than 65,000 fans, bettering the Phoenix Mile attendance mark of 60,000 set last year for the race here. So the crowds continue to get bigger and bigger at this racetrack. And you can see why from the kind of racing we've seen here today. We'll be back in a minute. At Phoenix International Raceway, we welcome you back for the final 15 miles of the AutoWorks 500. If things do not change, and this is certainly our unofficial count right now, but with Dale Earnhardt being shown in the sixth spot and Rusty Wallace being shown in the 18th position, and with Rusty having led a lap, but Earnhardt, according to our calculations, having not led a lap, it would mean, Barney, we'd be looking at about a 73-point difference between Wallace and Earnhardt if things end exactly as they are right now going into the season finale in Atlanta in a couple of weeks. Well, it's certainly not something that Earnhardt could not overcome if he can pick up as many as 30 points here this weekend on Rusty Wallace and they go to Atlanta and Rusty should have trouble early and Dale go on to have a good finish or win the race. The championship is by far from yeah. being decided. It would be about a 36-point pickup for Earnhardt 
according to our numbers if things ended just the way they are right now so it's going to go right down to the wire meanwhile in the garage area some of the big names who had run well early in the day have come up just a bit short of the checkered flag Ralph Shaheen is with them well one of those drivers that came up a little short is Ricky Rudd and Ricky had all kinds of problems today well, you know, the Quaker State Buick really run good early. Uh, Kawicki was a little bit better than us uh, for a long time, and we could sit in there and settle in there and run second and stuff, and we were going to make some adjustments to the tires. Uh, we just had a lot of freak things happen. I guess the, the first thing that happened is that the car only had one gear, had fourth gear, and by having fourth gear, you had to leave the pitch. You had to slip the clutch. Well, that's what put us way behind, and eventually what put us out was that Sterling Marlin exploded a brake rotor, the brake rotor went through our radiator, and they couldn't try to patch it, but they couldn't couldn't do it. Well, for Ricky Rudd, the day is over. And gentlemen, I'm looking at the front of the radiator, and the brake rotor went literally right through the grill. They actually did try to patch it, and they what they did was they stuck a pocket knife into the hole and tried to seal the hole up around the pocket knife. Well, when something comes off one of these race cars, even if it's something as small as a lug nut and it hits a car, they're running about 124, 25 miles an hour, even 135 in the straightaway. So whatever it is, if it's as big as a marble, it hits a car at 130 miles an hour. It can knock a hole in a lot of things. There will be 10 laps to go here. One more time around for leader Bill Elliott. The interval between first and second, it's about 15 car lengths as Terry Labonte is trying to reel him in as they head to turn three. Terry Labonte's been working on Elliott Barney for the last 30 laps or so. He's made a little bit of headway. He's about seven car lengths behind Bill Elliott as they race through three and four, but Elliott so far still in command. As they work back underneath the Goodyear Bridge to the start-finish line, Working now to 10 laps to go, the indication from Harold Kinder. The members of the media in attendance today voting on the Goodies Headache Award to the driver who suffers the hardest luck during the running of the Auto Works 500. $750 on the line there. At the conclusion of today's broadcast, Barney and I are going to select the Have a Tampa Close But No Cigar Award winner. There's $200 on the line from that award. And the entire MRN crew votes the Peak Performance Award to the driver who makes the coolest move during the running of the Auto Works 500. And $500 is on on the line from the folks at Peak. So all of that coming up following the checkered flag in just about seven miles, or rather eight miles from now. Terry Labonte gets a little bit closer. He was kind of disappointed the other day. He felt like that they could win the pole here. He wanted to win the pole, and he wanted to win the race. He talked about that. It's, uh, it is, you know, in a way, to, sad to see it over. I hope that we can win one of the two races left. You know, we've won a couple this year, and we really felt like we missed some chances to win two or three others. Uh, we'd love to win another one. Uh, most of all, I think we'd love to win a pole position and then have a shot at winning the race. So uh, uh, I don't know if we'll be able to pull that off or not, but we're going to sure work at it. Well, he didn't get the pole. He started outside pole, and he's within catching distance of Bill Elliott right now, and it's getting even shorter, Joe Moore. It's getting shorter and shorter as they continue. We're watching another battle develop as well, Barney. That's back for the fourth position. Dale Jarrett, we've called attention to the fact that he's got a real good run going today. He's closing in on Darrell Waltrip. A couple of laps ago, he was just a car length, uh, car length and a half possibly behind Waltrip. Now he's fallen back just a bit, but still not letting Darrell Waltrip get too far away. Been an outstanding run for Dale Jarrett. You know, with nobody winning the Unical Challenge today, Barney, who's only eligible for Kenny Schrader, it'll become $205,000 in Atlanta in two weeks on the Atlanta International. National Raceway has announced that they're going to double it for that race. So the Unical Challenge will be $410,000 at the Atlanta International Race. That's remarkable. That's, uh, that's almost as much as you make in a year, and these guys are going to be going for it for one weekend. Yeah, that's kind of sad. <laughs> it is an awful lot of money, and the pressure down there will be tremendous to win the poll. The track will open in Atlanta on uh, 
Friday of that week, two weeks from this weekend, the Bush Bowl qualifying on Friday, the ARCA Permatech Series running on Saturday the 18th of November, and then two weeks from today, the Atlanta Journal 500 at the Atlanta International Raceway. Eli was standing down in uh, Bill Elliott's pits, and they're standing there watching Terry Labonte as he was gaining on them. They stabilized the last two laps and hasn't picked up anything on them, but uh, he was pulling up on them pretty good for a while. Bill was running high through one and two, and he finally dropped it down as best he could uh, coming off of two, and seems like they've kind of neutralized their position. One thing that we had not mentioned that just was brought up is Dale Jarrett's car. He's had a super run today, and TRW has voted Doug Williams, the crew chief of his car, the uh, TRW Mechanic of the Race Award, offered him $1,000. So uh, that's something we haven't been talking about. And they are having an awful good run today. And five laps to go. It will be less than five laps. Here comes the leader out of turn number four this time. It'll be Bill Elliott. Terry Labonte still about eight or nine car lengths back. Let's go to Jim Phillips. Well, the mood in the Junior Johnson pit, of course, is time is running out. And they say what a difference a radio makes. When they didn't have a radio, they ran it back in the top 15. So since they got the radio quick fixed, they immediately went to the top 10. And now they're running second right on Bill Elliott's bumper. And for those of you who are keeping tabs on the points, as we all are, Martha Oliver and uh, Augusta Johnson have just tabulated for us that Alan Kowicki has led 92 laps today. Rusty Wallace has led 75 laps. So the bonus for leading the most laps will not go to Rusty, but indeed it would go to Alan Kowicki. So that extra five-point differential will not uh, be added into the uh, end of the race total. So uh, the point chase will be very, very close in and around 65 to 73 points, depending upon the exact order of finish between Wallace and Earnhardt with just three laps remaining here at Phoenix International Raceway. So Earnhardt still has a good shot to win the Winston Cup Championship. Let's follow this battle down to the checkered flag now. Here comes Bill Elliott. He's the leader. He is about eight or nine car lengths ahead of Terry Labonte. A couple of Fords at the front of the pack as they come down to the line. There'll be two laps to go as they work into turn number one. The interval remains the same. Separation the same as they come back into turn number one. No race traffic ahead except for the Hunt Strickland car. He'll give them plenty of racing room as they exit turn two. Bill Elliott, Terry Labonte, trouble in turn four. Jimmy Means loops the Alka-Seltzer Pontiac, gathers it back up, points it in the right direction. He's very slow. Meantime, Elliott and uh, Labonte are in three and four on the gas, and Elliott leads by about eight car lengths. Jimmy Means get his, gets his car refired. He stayed out of the way of the race leaders. White flag from Harold Kinder. Bill Elliott leads Labonte by six car lanes to turn one. Back in turn one, Elliott showing the way, taking it right down to the inside of the racetrack. Smoking the tires as he has been just about all afternoon. Elliott still by some ten car lengths over Terry Labonte. Bill Elliott's been able to maintain a pretty comfortable lead. Labonte able to chop the lead down a few times. He's within about six car lengths as they headed to turn three. Now Elliott right behind Hutt Strickland's automobile, but it's Bill Elliott out of turn four. Elliott has to come out of the throttle a little bit, but he's going to win as he comes down to the line. Bill Elliott crosses the stripe, gets a checkered flag, and wins the Auto Parts 500. Terry Labonte will finish second. Third will go to Mark Martin. Fourth to Darrell Waltrip. And fifth to Dale Jarrett. So it's all over here at Phoenix this afternoon. We'll be going down to victory lane in a moment. NASCAR Today continues. Sponsored by Ford Trucks. Back at Phoenix International Raceway, Bill Elliott will be in victory lane. He'll be talking with Dick Brooks in a moment, but right now, let's check in with Jim Phillips. And we've caught up with Terry Labonte, and I guess the word for Terry Labonte today is what a difference a radio makes. Well, really, I've got to thank Dale Emmon for letting me borrow Richard Petty's helmet. Uh, our radio went out, and uh, we couldn't communicate. We couldn't get the car right, and we switched helmets on one of the cautions. I was able to talk to Tim. We were able to change the tire stagger and change the car a little bit and, 
and uh, really got the car working good. It's just uh, we just came up a little short. You know, Bill ran a heck of a race, but uh, Tim and all the guys in the Budweiser team just did a heck of a job getting the car right. If you had, could have run up front, you know, like you run there at the last all day, do you think you maybe in better, better shape at the end? I think I might have been, but I don't know. That was an awful good set of tires I had. The car was working good. I could beat Bill in one and two, and he could beat me in three and four, and, uh, you know, we were just about even. I think if I have been ahead of him, he couldn't have beat me, but uh, it, was a, it was a good run. I'm pleased with second. That's Terry Labonte. He finished his second. Let's go to Ralph Shaheen. All right, we're with Mark Martin, the gentleman that finished third. And, Mark, you had to get some points, and that's exactly what you did here today. Well, we had a great run. You know, the car wasn't uh, handling as good as we would have liked for it to, and uh, we still pulled off a third-place finish and collected some points and actually almost looked like at one time that we might have a shot at winning the thing, but, we, you know, the last set of tires was way, 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 way too loose. Uh, otherwise, we'd have had a chance. Go for broke when you go to Atlanta? Yeah, well, we were going for broke here. All right, Mark Martin's going to cool himself off and start thinking about Atlanta and possibly winning a championship. The uh, points right now, the way we have it, and this, of course, is pending final verification by NASCAR, we have Dale Earnhardt finishing uh, in the sixth position, and he would pick up 150 points on the day for finishing in sixth. He did not lead a lap. Meanwhile, Rusty Wallace finishes in 16th spot, that's 115 points. He also led a lap, obviously, so he gets the five-point bonus for a total of 120 points. So Wallace now with a total of 4,058 to Earnhardt's 3,979. So there is a 79-point differential between Wallace, the point leader, and Earnhardt in second spot going to the final race in Atlanta, and that is very much uh, a potential to be made up there. 79 points can swing in a hurry certainly isn't impossible to overcome, so it might get real interesting in Atlanta a couple of weeks from today. Let's check in with Jim Phillips one more time. And here sits Darrell Waltrip, cooling off. Well, you, you languish back there about the middle of the pack, and then there to the end of the race, here comes Darrell Waltrip again. Yeah, well, it was a, it was a good day for us. Uh, praise the Lord for that, and also uh, just a, a really good effort by my crew today. You know, we started in 16th, and this track's so hard to pass on. It just took us all day long to work our way up there where we finally could see the leaders and race with them uh bill and uh the six car was a little tougher than us there and then all of a sudden here come uh, terry and uh, then i was in a dog fight for hanging on to fourth place so i'm real proud of my guys jeff and sandy and everybody down the pits billy weber did a good year a good job today with the goodyear tires and the old tide machine just rolled on home in fourth place I noticed yesterday watching some of the practice, this third and fourth turn, this big, long, sweeping turn, you've got to have your car right there. Oh, yeah. Well, that's really what we worked on all day long is just little of here, a little there, just a wedge, just a stagger. And uh, we got the car pretty good, uh, actually, at the end. Uh, if we'd have been a little better, we may have could have won. But, uh, you know, all things considered, from where we come from, I'm pretty happy with the day's results. And uh, just say hi to everybody back home in Franklin, Tennessee, and Owensboro, Kentucky. That's Darrell Walter. He finishes fourth at the Auto Works 500. Barney, let me update the points even further now with the uh, verification on Mark Martin's third place finish and the fact that he did lead some laps today. Mark has now moved into second place in the points by one point ahead of Dale Earnhardt. So Rusty Wallace is the point leader. He has 78 points on Mark Martin and 79 points on Dale Earnhardt going into the final race at Atlanta. You talk about things tightening up. It's going to tighten up all the way back through the top ten yeah. in the point standing. Let's go to Victory Lane and Dick Brooks. Well, we're sitting here with Bill Elliott. Bill, uh, 
I don't know for sure that everybody was expecting this to happen when this thing started off today, and, and uh, you guys have had a ho-hum year or whatever, but it just seemed that everything happened. It seemed to get better and better. I talked to Ernie earlier, and he said, well, everything we're doing working, so maybe we got a chance. Well, we kept working. You know, and, and nine times out of ten in a race, you work, and then you, and you don't go in the right direction. But everything we did, we were going in the right direction. And we kept picking up, and we kept picking up, and the racetrack kept coming to us. And, you know, that's the thing about it. You never give up, and, and you keep praying that everything's going to work. And last hour to end, and, you know, I was able to jump out in front there. I really didn't know what Mark had, and then I saw Labonte coming on. But I was able to, to, to get enough time on them that they really couldn't catch me back. Well, you had a, uh, a year or so ago, you had the same situation they've got now with the points thing. You're not in that particular situation, but you were just reversed, reversed from where Rusty was last year, or where Rusty is this year. You were there last year, and it was the same guy. What do you think is going to happen? Well, I'm looking forward to Atlanta, you know, being from the standpoint that I, I ain't got anything to worry about, and I'm going there and watch those two, and I know what Rusty said about me, and I don't think I got a fair shake out of the deal. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how they do. But, you know, back on my side of the deal, I'm just tickled to death for all the guys here. You know, the, the last couple of months it's been a struggle you know along with the first part of the year and you know we just kept working and kept digging and you know harry melling supported us so as coors and ford motorcraft and you know without those people you know i couldn't be right here today what do you think about these flat short tracks like this you like these better than high bank well at the first the race i didn't care much for it but it's the longer the day went on the better i liked it yeah well it looked that way well good luck to you guys good run for bill elliott here this afternoon his third win of 1989 we'll take a short break and we'll be right back to phoenix well, it is all over here at the Phoenix International Raceway today, the running of the Auto Works 500. Bill Elliott gets the win over Terry Labonte. Mark Martin was third, then Darrell Waltrip, and a fine fifth-place finish today for the Hardy's machine, driven by Dale Jarrett. Let's check in with him. And for Dale Jarrett, a fifth-place finish, seeing that he doesn't have a, a sponsor lineup for next year, certainly couldn't hurt your efforts any. No, it sure couldn't. I tell you, this Hardy's crew did a great job all day long. Doug Williams did a fantastic job. He's the one that made the call there late in the race just to put on left sides. We'd just put on rights under the green. And, and that got us the track position that we'd been looking for all day long. When you had a good race car, I just uh, kept having to work my way up through, and the leaders would get away, uh, you know, us being back about 10th or 15th, and we would have to pass the cars. But uh, we knew we had a good car, and, and uh, no, this can't hurt a bit. It really feels good to come out here and run that good, and, you know, hopefully something's going to work out. You know, this has got to open up some eyes. The, the last few races, uh, this Hardy's car has really run well, and, you know, we're just a Excited about this to be able to come out here. This is only my second course, most people's second time here, but uh, to, to get around this well and, and be that close at the end, you know, uh, the guys did a good job. You told me three or four weeks ago, you said uh, my motor program's finally coming around where we need to be, so we're giving up too much horsepower. You told me that earlier, and it showed up. And you then went to Martinsville, and you ran super good and uh, today on this flat track where you have to have some horsepower. It paid off for you. Yeah, it sure did. The engine room, those guys are really working hard. We've had a new addition there, J.E. Beard, and, and he's helped us a lot. And, and Keith Russell is still the head man there, and they do a good job working together, and they've really put their heads together and working hard. And, you know, that's the difference. Uh, you know, you can look around at some other cars that have, have come around with good engine programs. It's made a big difference. And, uh, you know, we're just happy that, uh, you know, we're doing this now. It would have been nice to have done it all year, but we are getting things worked out. I just hope that we can land a sponsor and, and uh, you know, get another shot at next year because I think, think things are really starting to happen. And I just, I'd just like to say hello to everyone back home. You know, I uh, haven't seen them in a while. I had to come out here early for Pontiac, so I just tell my wife Kelly and, and son Jason and daughter Natalie hello. I'll see you soon. Okay, that's Dale Jerry to find fifth-place finish this afternoon. It was a good run for him. Time now for the MRN crew to vote the Peak Performance Cool Move of the Race Award. The winner getting $500 from Peak Antifreeze and Summer Coolant. Let's open up out there on the uh, 
southwestern son of turns one and two with Joe Moore. Eli, I'm a cast of vote in the direction of Dale Jarrett. We talked earlier in the broadcast today about uh, all the pressure that was distributed among the drivers for point championships and for the win and whatnot. And I think Dale Jarrett's a classic exam- uh, example of uh, a driver who had a lot of pressure on him, not knowing what he's going to do for next year. The team worked together. They pulled out a fifth-place finish. I'll vote for Dale Jarrett. Rick Benjamin, your thoughts? Dale, certainly deserving, but I'm going to cast a vote for Terry Labonte, the radio helmet switch that we've covered so well this afternoon. Uh, half the equation, I think, for Terry. A couple of times here in 3 and 4, he was totally crossed up early in the race. The car was obviously way off. They worked at it, got it straightened out, and he goes to a fine second. So I'll vote for Terry Labonte. Dick Brooks, what do you think? Well, I don't know if I think or not. But I, since I don't think, I'm going to start, uh, I'm going to say what Joe Moore said, I think. i I got to kind of go along with that. Those guys need some help. They did have a good run. We didn't pay much attention to them until toward the end. And, uh, so I think I'm going to say that they helped their cool and, uh, and had a good finish. Jim Phillips, what do you think? I'm going to go along with Terry Labonte. There's no way that Terry Labonte could have finished second today had they not kept switching helmets. They didn't switch one time. They, they went to three or four people before they got the Richard Petty helmet that they could use and match up with their set. So that was, had to be the best move of the race, especially for that team. And Ralph Shaheen, your view from the garage. Well, I like the Terry Labonte vote as well. They were really working hard to make that thing work. They kept their cool under pressure, and I think they pulled it off pretty well. And, Barney, that was the only particular move that I had uh, made note of myself today on my list here. There was some pretty good driving on the racetrack, but nothing that jumped out at you as the spectacular move. But uh, Labonte, Timbrew, that whole crew uh, used their cool and then came up with a second-place finish. Well, that was a good move for them. I think I was going to cast a vote in the direction of Sterling Marlin for the move he made when that car caught on fire going down pit road with no brakes. It could have got away from him real easy and got back out into race traffic down there. But uh, Terry Labonte will end up with the money this afternoon. So Terry takes home the $500 as the winner of the Peak Performance Cool Move of the Race Award. The members of the print media in attendance here today have voted the Goodies Headache Award, the $750 to Rusty Wallace, the $250 donation that goes with that, of course, to the Brenner Children's Hospital in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, in Rusty Wallace's name. And, Barney, you and I talked about the Have a Tampa, the Philly Cigar Award, close but no cigar, and uh, you suggested Dale Jarrett. I'm hard-pressed to argue with that at all because they did come up uh, so very close in what was, as Dale said, only his second time ever to this Phoenix International Raceway. Yeah, I think we'll make that unanimous in his direction. So $200 to Dale Jarrett, and when we come back, a complete look at the rundown for today's running of the AutoWorks 500. From the Phoenix International Raceway, this is MRN Radio. Here at Phoenix International Raceway, some of the other post-race awards now coming in. The Heinz Ketchup Award going to Jimmy Spencer, who started 34th and finishes 10th. Alan Kulwicki, winner of the True Value Hard Charger Award. Dale Jarrett wins the Van Camp's Determination Award by virtue of his fifth-place finish. And, of course, the induction to the Gatorade Circle of Champions to our race winner, Bill Elliott, who leads off our post-race rundown. Elliott, of course, winning here at Phoenix this afternoon. Terry Labonte will finish second. Mark Martin, third. Darrell Waltrip, fourth. Fifth place going again to Dale Jarrett. Sixth to Dale Earnhardt. Seventh to Dick Trickle. Eighth place will go to Harry Gant. Ninth to Michael Waltrip. Jimmy Spencer will finish tenth. Alan Kowicki, eleventh. Morgan Shepard, twelfth. Kenny Schrader, who started on the pole, ends up in 13th place and misses that Unical money again. 14th position to Derek Cope. Finishing 15th is Dave Marcus. 16th to Rusty Wallace. 17th to Jim Sauter. 18th to Bobby Hillen. 19th to Brett Bodine. Joe Rutman came home 20th. Kyle Petty, 21st. Lake Speed, 22nd. 
Hut Strickland finishes 23rd, Larry Pearson 24th, and rounding out the top 25, driver Jimmy Means. 26th will be Bill Schmidt, Rodney Combs 27th, Jeff Bodine 28th, 29th, Ricky Rudd, and 30th will be Sterling Marlin. Stan Barrett finishes 31st, 32nd, Bobby Hamilton, 33rd, Ernie Irvin, Neil Bonnet finishes 34th, 35th will be Ron Esau, Bill Sedgwick finishes 36th, 37th will be Phil Parsons, 38th spot going to Davey Allison, Greg Sachs was 39th, 40th, Rick Wilson, finishing in 41st, Roy Smith, 42nd, Richard Petty, and 43rd was Butch Miller. Again, the Winston Cup point chase going to the Atlanta International Raceway in just two weeks' time. It is now Rusty Wallace holding a 78-point lead over Mark Martin and a 79-point lead over Dale Earnhardt. Remember, the Atlanta International Raceway ticket office is open for you right now. The track begins activities on Friday the 17th with Bush Pole position qualifying. Saturday the 18th of this month, the ARCA Permatech Series in the Atlanta Journal 500-kilometer race, and then Sunday, two weeks from today, the Atlanta Journal 500 for NASCAR's Winston Cup Tour. We'll talk to you this Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock Eastern Time with our next edition of NASCAR Live. Join us on our toll-free numbers of 1-800-2-NASCAR. Our thanks to those you heard on the air today. Joe Moore, Rick Benjamin, Dick Brooks, Jim Phillips, and Ralph Shaheen with their fine work here at the Phoenix International Raceway. And behind the scenes, Martha Oliver and Augusta Johnson on the scoring loop. Our production assistant was Mark Webb. For Barney Hall, I'm Eli Gold. Thanks for joining us for Phoenix International Raceway and our winner today, Bill Elliott in the Auto Works 500. So long, everybody. MRN Radio. Coverage of the NASCAR Winston Cup Series has come to you from the Phoenix International Raceway. Sponsored by Bush Beer. Don't just reach for a beer. Head for the mountains and the smooth taste of Bush Beer. Buy Pontiac for driving excitement with your name on it. Pontiac, we build excitement. Buy True Value for quality, selection, and personal attention. Make True Value your first choice. Buy Unical. The winning spirit rides with you every time. It's the spirit of 76. Buy Peak Antifreeze. Only Peak gives you peak performance. Buy Gatorade. Gatorade gives your body what it's thirsty for. Buy First Brands, makers of S. STP Oil Treatment. STP is the edge. Buy Van Camp's Beanie Weenies. Grown-up nutrition, kid-sized fun. Buy Armor Star Canned Meat, America's choice for the great outdoors. Buy the White Rain family of hair care products. And buy Baby Ruth, the official candy bar of NASCAR's legendary Junior Johnson. The general manager of MRN Radio is John McMullen. Assistant Alan Bestwick. Engineers Harry Howard and Clay Stalka. Affiliate relations Pat Hensley and Greg Robertson. Assistant Cheryl Parkman, Tina Marr, and Cheryl Knight. This is Rick Lewis. This broadcast was a production of MRN Radio, a division of International Speedway Corporation. This week's MRN Classic Race has been brought to you by Hercules Tires.